Chair, staff is ready when you are. Thank you. Good evening and welcome to the September 21st, 2023 Active Transportation Commission. The meeting is now called to order. Will the clerk please call the roll to establish a quorum? Thank you, Chair. Commissioner Hodell? Here. Commissioner Harris? Here. Commissioner Gibson? Here. Commissioner Rowe? Here. Commissioner Gonzalez? Here. Commissioner Haupt? Here. Commissioner Brassel? Here. Commissioner Granville is absent. Commissioner Lee? Here. Commissioner Banks? Here. And Chair Dewar Westbrook? Here. Thank you, we have quorum. Fantastic. I would like to remind members of the public and chambers that if you would like to speak on an agenda item, please turn in a speaker slip when the item begins. You'll have two minutes to speak once you are called on. After the first speaker, we will no longer accept speaker slips. Um, and yeah, sorry, I'm so used to our old script. <laughs> We've changed things up. Okay, so yeah, after two minutes, we'll, or after the presentations begin, we'll, we won't accept speaker slips, and we'll now proceed with today's agenda. Please rise for the opening acknowledgments in honor of Sacramento's indigenous people and tribal lands. To the original people of this land, the Nisanon people, the Southern Maidu, Valley and Plains Miwok, Patwan Wintu peoples, and the people of the Wilton Rancheria, Sacramento's only federally recognized tribe, may we acknowledge and honor the native people who came before us and still walk beside us today on these ancestral lands by choosing to gather today in the active practice of acknowledgement and appreciation for Sacramento's indigenous people, people's history, contributions, and lives. Thank you. Remain standing for the Pledge of Allegiance. I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America and to the Republic for which it stands, one nation, under God, indivisible, with liberty and justice for all. All right. Our first business today is the Commission staff report. Staff, you may proceed. Thank you, Chair. Um, good evening, Commissioners. Jennifer Donlan Wyant, Transportation Planning Manager. I have a, actually a longer update, but still brief, uh, on a number of items that are going on in the city. Uh, I'm going to start with, uh, well, they're all exciting news. I'm going to start with um, the first news is that. If you remember back in um, January, we came to you uh, to ask for your support in applying for Caltrans planning grants. And we're happy to report that we won three. Um, very, very exciting. So we won the one on Howe, which is one of our Vision Zero top 10 corridors. We won Norwood, which is in North Sacramento and was a priority in the transportation priorities plan. And we won the transportation infrastructure adaptation grant which will help us look at our existing transportation infrastructure and how we're gonna manage it with climate change, such as our pavement, our signals, trees falling on equipment, all of that. And that was a partnership with Regional Transit. Um, so we're really excited for those. We did not win Arden, uh, which was actually, I thought that one was a for sure one. So we're gonna do a debrief with Caltrans to find out why uh, as we get ready for the next call for projects, which is expected to be next month. Um, so we're really excited for those three grant wins. Wanted to give you an update on Streets for People, Sacramento's active transportation plan. We are wrapping up about three months, maybe a little bit more, of community engagement. Um, the map, the online map, closes on September 30th for inputs. Please make sure that you share that with folks. So far, we've had over 804 individual users interacting with the map, over 1,600 suggestions, 310 comments on suggestions, 
2,600 votes. Um, and then at your recommendation, uh, staff heard you and distributed printed surveys to uh, six libraries focused in our, our under-resourced areas and they're in uh, many languages. Languages were dependent on the library and input from the library staff about what was appropriate uh, for that location. So we're really excited, so make sure that you share with folks uh, to give any last-minute input on the Streets for Peeps plan so that we can hear your input before moving forward in developing recommendations. Next up is the Del Rio Trail, which we were just talking about earlier. That is under construction and running ahead of schedule. Pavement has started and we're waiting for the signal equipment to arrive for the crossings of the streets. Um, we are working with our contractor and the tree foundation to get irrigation systems in and trees planted this winter. And assuming the weather cooperates, we hope to have the trail open in early spring, which is gonna be very exciting. Um, and then a quick update on the Central City Mobility Project. Uh, most of the uh, Central City Mobility Project, which includes separated bikeways and more bike, um, bikeways and two-way conversions, well, not two-way conversions, separated bikeways, will be done this fall. We're hoping November, which is coming up really soon. Fifth Street, which is the two-way conversion, so Fifth Street is currently one-way. We're converting it to two-way, and which will be great, great access to Golden One and the train station, um, is coming this spring. The Caltrans encroachment permit to allow us to work underneath the freeway has been a, was a delay in coming to us, but we've got it now. And so we'll be working on that connection underneath the freeway. Um, and big paving and striping is planned for October uh, to complete 10th, 19th, and 21st. And then Broadway Complete Streets, just around the corner from the Central City Mobility Project, is, you know, we broke ground, we had our great ceremonies under construction, and we expect to have that completed in summer of 2024. Chair, that is my staff report, thank you. Thank you so much. That was really great reporting. Congratulations again on getting those uh, planning grants. So, very excited for you and the team. Um, next will be approval of the consent calendar. Clerk, is there any members of the public who wish to speak on the consent calendar? Thank you, Chair. I have no speakers on this item. Thank you. Are there any commissioners who wish to speak on this item? I'll move to approve. Thank you, Commissioner Hunt. I'll move to second. Thank you, Commissioner Harris. I have a motion from Commissioner Hopp and a second from Commissioner Harris. Will the clerk please call the roll for a vote? Thank you, Chair. Commissioner Hodel? Aye. Commissioner Harris? Aye. Commissioner Gibson? Aye. Commissioner Rowe? Aye. Commissioner Gonzalez? Aye. Commissioner Hopped? Aye. Commissioner Brassel? Aye. Commissioner Granville is absent. Commissioner Lee? Aye. Commissioner Banks? Aye. And Chair Dewar Westbrook? Aye. Thank you. The motion passes. Thank you. And thank you to staff for updating um, our, our log. I saw that uh, this year. So appreciate that. We've cleaned it up a little bit um, and assigned um, new commissioners to take lead. Okay. We will now proceed to the discussion calendar. Our first item today is the Franklin Boulevard Rehabilitation Project. Is there a staff presentation? Presenting to you all the Franklin Boulevard Gap Closure Project. I see some familiar faces, so that should help with the nerves. I'm really nervous. Okay. <clears throat> all right, so let's get into this project. 
So first and foremost, I'm sure most of you are familiar with the Transportation Corridor Program. So the Franklin Boulevard Gap Closure Project is a part of this program. Um, and what is it? It is, uh, the city has evolved over the last few years as a streamlined effort to implement active transportation elements within the city's street network while prioritizing areas identified for pavement rehabilitation needs. This program is funded with SB1 funds and RMRA funds. Um, the city's project, uh, excuse me, the city's transportation corridor project applies um, comprehensive corridor rehabilitation strategies and incorporates um, active transportation elements, attention to safety concerns, and upgraded technology solutions. So some background on Franklin Boulevard. So it's notably the only north-south uh, street between I-5 and Highway 99 that connects Elk Grove, South Sac, and upwards to the central city. Between the city of Sacramento and Sacramento County, efforts are being made to create a backable corridor. Sac County took the first steps years ago towards improving Franklin with active modes, um, with the streetscape project, which narrowed vehicle lanes, provided bike lanes, improved sidewalks, and added trees for landscaping. Then the city of Sacramento initiated the Boulevard Complete Street Projects, which propose a road diet, separated bikeways, concrete curbs for separation, sidewalk widening, trees, and lighting. This project begins, or plans to start construction phase one and two in 2024. So while the city is starting plans, was starting plans for the Complete Street Project to the north, we installed our first separated bikeways to the south with two separate projects um, by narrowing the vehicle lanes and creating a wide buffer with flexible posts. I personally have ridden down that and it was a lifesaver. A throw partnership with Elk Grove, the city of Sacramento built bikeways into the Elk Grove limits to Bighorn Boulevard. At this point, the city of Sacramento noticed the markings of a corridor with consistent bike amenities and starting to work towards that. So when the county reached out to coordinate their resurfacing project along portions of Franklin Boulevard with shared borders, we coordinated with them to have narrow bike lanes and add buffers. You now you see the buffer, bike lanes, bikeability. Um, and the city of Elk Grove has started their own project to extend separated bikeways further south to Laguna Boulevard. This leaves one outstanding gap in the middle of these series of projects. And voila, now we have the Franklin Boulevard Gap Closure Project. <laughs> so looking at these big picture connections to the north, bicyclists can travel from Curtis Park to reach Broadway, where the Broadway Complete Street Project is starting construction this week to reduce vehicle lanes and add buffer bike lanes and also improve pedestrian crossings. From Broadway, bicyclists can connect to a series of parking, separated bikeways across Central City. So hope you can see the flow of the projects from north to south and in between. So Franklin Gap Closure Project, as I said, it is what closes the bikeability between the county and the city's projects to the north and the city and future Elk Grove projects to the south. Um, so Franklin Boulevard is a four-lane arterial road uh, with approximately 27,000 vehicles a day. There's no um, 
There's no two-way left turn lanes, just the median left turn bays. There's residential homes, apartments, as well as commercial businesses along the corridor. Um, and the existing travel lanes are wide with widths ranging from 10 feet to seven and a half. The bike lanes are unbuffered class two bike lanes. I forgot to add the limits. So the limits of this project are from A Parkway to the north all the way down to Mac Road. Here we go. So the existing bike lanes are six feet wide. These lanes encourage speeding, which could be intimidating to folks riding in those bike lanes. The chart on the right is from the Sacramento's uh, bike master plan, which provides guidelines for appropriate bike facilities based on the traffic volumes and the posted travel speed. Given the volumes and 40 mile per hour speed limit on this corridor, what's existing is not the appropriate bike facility for this corridor. The bike lane should have a striped buffer creating distance or be separated. In the case of this, we will be doing just buffered bike lanes. There won't be delineators. So some current conditions, um, as mentioned, these lanes vary in width along the corridor from 10 to 17 feet. We have 17 curb ramps that need improvements. Our city maintenance will be doing those within the city's jurisdiction. Uh, pedestrian landing within the county's jurisdiction at Franklin Boulevard and Forest Parkway needs ADA improvements. Am I on the right side? Yes. Narrow bike lanes with no separation and moving traffic here. So shown in this photo is that mentioned uh, pedestrian landing at Franklin and Forest. You can see it has no truncated domes, not our typical, what we would want to design for pedestrians and or others to cross through. So, oh, I skipped a slide. There we go. Oh, I'm good. All right, so some proposed improvements, bear with me. <laughs> proposed improvements for this project are curb ramp improvements, microsurfacing, striping, travel lane narrowing, buffered bike lanes, and sig signal improvements. And when I say travel lane narrowing, we're gonna make them a lot more uniform throughout the corridor. So the thing that will vary will be the buffer. So in these signal improvements, those include audible signals, vehicle detection for, or excuse me, video detection for cars and bikes, vehicle and ped displays, new pedestrian push buttons at all intersections on the corridor, and new cabinets at the city and intersections, which are Mac Road, Boyce Drive, Brookfield Drive, um, Creek's Edge. There we go. I put Creek's Edgeway. There we go. All right, so you're probably wondering why we don't have class four bike lanes and why we didn't decide to put them within the corridor. So I've been informed that we have bikeway sweepers and regular sweepers, and our bikeway sweepers aren't wide enough to take care of that which would take place between the buffer and the bike lane. So to kind of give an example, the buffers will vary from three feet to seven feet. I'm looking for Megan's nod. Sure, right. So three feet to seven feet. And our bike lanes will be a standard width, but with our bikeway sweepers, it won't be able to adequately clean that appropriately. On top of that, they don't go to Franklin Boulevard. So now we have our street sweepers in which they're too wide. So we have a predicament. So that is why we don't have the separation in the bikeways. So for that proposed pedestrian landing design, we have coordinated with the county on this. So this is what we're looking at here, adding in some concrete, that's what I'm looking for, like a concrete separation height 
I can't find the engineering word. You don't have it in mechanical. But <laughs> this is truncated domes and appropriate ADA compliant landing. So project schedule and budget. So construction contract awards, city council, we're looking at 2024. Construction starting in 2024, ending construction 2025, with a current project budget of 3.5 million. Just pretend there's an extra zero on there. We've reached the end. Thank you so much. Do we have any questions? Awesome, thank you so much for your presentation. Uh, let's see, I'm all turned around. Um, clerk, do we have any members of the public who wish to speak on this item? Thank you, Chair, I have no speakers on this item. Thank you. Uh, do we have any commissioners who wish to speak on this item? Thank you for uh, your wonderful presentation. Um, I guess I'm, uh, I just want to make sure I understood it correctly. So the class for bike lanes are not possible because the road is not wide enough to have like a wide enough bike lane for the bike sweepers. Sorry for okay. you to repeat. I wouldn't say, well, I'll even add to that and answer your okay. question. Um, so the reason why we don't have the linears is not because the road necessarily isn't wide enough. Think of it more like a maintenance um, scenario in order to the leaves and that sort of thing. Additionally, there are sections within the corridor in which delineators wouldn't fit um, or they wouldn't be consistent throughout the, throughout the corridor. Um, not to mention the Franklin Boulevard is split between the city and the county. So if we were to put those in the city section and not in the county section, that would also, it wouldn't, it kind of wouldn't make sense to place them in random places along the corridor, oh, if you would like. Hi, I'm Megan Johnson, um, City of Sacramento. I can add just a little bit of clarification too with the sweeper. Thank you, thank you. Um, so we do have two bikeway sweepers. They have dedicated routes and they can fit into small spaces. They're really great. They service our central city. Um, but because we only have two bikeway sweepers and they have kind of dedicated routes that they take, um, when we get farther away from the routing of these sweepers, we have to rely on our regular street sweepers. And those are bigger and they require 10 to 11 feet of width in order to sweep. And so that width does not exist here to where there's enough space to have the bike lane, um, the buffer space for a 10-foot sweeper to fit in and still have the flex posts. And then I agree with her assessment that most of the, the project limits are split boundaries with the city and the county. Um, the, the city is leading the design, but the county maintains it. And the county has been averse to taking on the maintenance obligations. Thanks for that additional detail. I'm starting to think we need to add a, a recommendation for more street sweepers um, so that we can serve other parts of our community and not just the central city. So something for us all um, to consider and you know, a little disappointing that the county isn't interested in maintaining the facility because I was gonna say it would, it would be fantastic if someone using it could have the same experience for the entire route. So Absolutely. it's kind of like a balance, um, balancing act that you are going through, but um, yeah, I don't know. I think we can we can figure out a solution, but definitely want to um, get you all more sweepers if that's the reason why we're not providing more separation. Um, Commissioner Banks. 
Hi, thanks for the um, presentation, it was awesome. You kind of blew through something a little bit fast, so I'm looking for clarification. I'm not sure if you can go back to the slide or not, but the one with um, the two different um, charts of, of um, speed and volume. And volume. That's, that's the one I'm looking for. Did I hear you say that this, this road is a 40 mile an hour road? And it, the speed limit won't be changing on it, correct? Right. right. So at 40 miles an hour, we should be looking at the blue, which is a buffered bike lane, right? So it doesn't have the same coloring on the projector as it is. Ah, so it's not buffered. It's more just a straight-up bike lane is what we're looking at. There, on our slides, there's, sorry. there's Yeah, go ahead. Sorry, Jump in. Um, our slides have a blue band. Yes. Okay. So this one is missing a sort of um, a bucket of of blue. Yeah. Right. We don't see the blue. But I'm just trying to look for clarification that we would be having a buffered bike lane in just there. A projector yes. Bump. Okay. That's great. The reason why I'm curious about it is because we all know that um, anybody that drives a car down a straight roadway is rarely going to drive the speed limit. And with a big line of sight, they're going to speed. So probably, while the speed limit is 40, it's more likely that, and we could get some research on this, perhaps, um, that the majority of people that are driving down that road are going faster than 40 miles an hour. So here's the question, is why are we attaching um, different... Um, types of changes to the street based on signage that we know is um, not what people are actually doing. This is a larger rhetorical question. Kelly, it's not just for do you, you mind if I take this one? Please. Yeah, Great. because you understand where I'm going. Is yeah. If people are... Commissioner Banks, um, so this was developed as part of the 2016 Bicycle Master Plan and approved by council. And at the time that it was approved by council, it was quite... Um, Revolutionary to, to, to relate the bicycle facility type to vehicle volumes and speeds. Um, I think one thing to think about is that we don't always have actual speeds available to us, um, but what we do have available is what the posted speed is. Uh, some of our, what we call speed surveys, when we do an engineering study, we do our speed surveys, um, and we don't have um, speed, actual posted 85th percentile speed data for all of our streets, but I hear your concern. This is a great comment for the Streets for Peeps plan because we are updating our, as part of the Streets for Peeps, is updating the Bicycle Master Plan and the Pedestrian Plan. And so this is a great comment for input into the Streets for Peeps to revisit this type of thing, um, this, this, this guidance yeah. based on vehicle volumes and speeds so that we can update it for the 2020s. I would say, um, and, and, and so I encourage you to provide that input, um, or uh, this commission to provide that input, or for Saba to provide that input as we move forward. Thank you. I think that it's worth revisiting, especially given that 2016 is a while ago now. And I can provide just a little bit more context, too. So we view this chart as useful for identifying the minimum facility that's appropriate. And so if there were the width and the ability to put in the flex posts or make it protected, we would certainly do that. But in this case, it clearly demonstrates 
that the existing class two bike lane is not sufficient for the minimum guidelines based on our current minimum guidelines. Um, just, yeah, going back on that, but the only reason why we're not going with a separated bikeway is the maintenance issue that you expressed earlier in the presentation, or if that wasn't an issue with it, the city? It's one of the considerations. There are a couple things. There's kind of inconsistent widths that are available, um, the maintenance um, concerns, and then um, the fact that when you take into account spots where it isn't available, we try not to have facility types swap too much and so there are segments along here where honestly the best we can get especially by boys by the boys community park boys park mm -hmm. um, it'll be just a regular class two bike lane because there isn't sufficient width to even have buffered bike lanes and so um you know we don't want to go from class two to buffered class two to class four and have just short inconsistent segments so it was a variety of factors absolutely yeah could you go back to the the full street view because there's a possibility to shorten the width of the vehicle lanes I think you had one at 12 and then the other at 11 if you were to go down to, to 10 foot lanes is that something that the city's discussed I know you're in the process of you know doing your street design standards and stuff but I just I'm slightly concerned with this project of like we're not doing what we actually want we're you, I mean maybe that's not the case but it just seems like we're we want to do more and we're not able to deliver that with the current standards that the city has. So curious if you could talk about that. Yeah, so um, with regards to where we have 12 feet, the reason for that is because when it's adjacent to raised curbs, um, it's the 11 foot lane and then there's like a one foot shy away for kind of safety purposes. Um, and then with regards to the 10 foot lane, that's something that has been a hot topic of discussion that hopefully there will be some accommodation for um, in upcoming standard revisions. But as of right now, we do not have that tool in our toolbox. Yeah, thank you. I just, you know, for the, I would hate for more projects to come forward this commission and we keep asking, I feel like we repeat the same questions every time, so apologies, but I appreciate you providing uh, that detail. But um, yeah, it's just, it would be great if you know, we can move a little bit quicker on that, and I'm sure you guys are trying. But thank you. Uh, Commissioner Gonzalez. Thank you, Chair. Um, thank you for the presentation and the information this evening. Um, I just want to share that I think it's, um, it is heartening to see that there's so much investment going on in the vicinity of Franklin Villas. Um, I've been in Sacramento my entire life, and I grew up in Metaview. So I am very familiar with Franklin Villas and, and the reputation that it earned um, throughout the years towards the end of the century and the first decade of the, of, uh, the, the 2000s. Uh, it was a notorious community, um, you know, well known for its, its violence and frankly its murders. Um, so to see uh, this level of infrastructure going in uh, immediately adjacent to, you know, a great swath of Franklin Villas is heartening to think that we're at a point now where we're investing this infrastructure. The villas itself have made a, a huge remarkable recovery uh, from how they once were, uh, but there's still a lot of work to do. Um, across from um, the villas and into the Parkway Estates neighborhood is the Parkway Elementary School. And it's one of the schools uh, in the Sacramento City Unified School District with the greatest need uh, on many social and economic factors. And a great deal of those children um, live in the villas and travel across Franklin Boulevard to Parkway every day. 
Um, so I want to echo the, the concerns and considerations of the fellow commissioners who spoke earlier that anything we could do to slow the actual traffic, not just the posted traffic limits, um, would be gravely beneficial on a proactive sense because we have seen uh, people hit, killed, harmed um, on these major arterials when speeds are averaging those which uh, have a high likelihood of, of, of fatality when those collisions are, um, are happening. So um, I also, quite frankly, um, I'm just not satisfied with the explanation that we don't have the, um, we don't have the, facility, uh, the equipment to maintain uh, proper facilities. I, I know that is the reality of the day and that's out of your control, but um, on a holistic sense, um, that's, that's, that shouldn't be a satisfactory response for this commission, in my opinion. Uh, we have this. We have these pieces of equipment. They do. They are used heavily in areas where there isn't the same social economic problems as we have in Franklin Villas or have had. And I think there's a question of equity when we say we have equipment, but it can't be used in certain areas and it can be in others. I know there's also inconsistency with the roadways, and that's a discussion for another day. But I, w I would like to push us to do better on an equity standpoint to to think that if. Equipment exists and it is available. It is available for every neighborhood in the city and our adjacent county as well. I appreciate both of you and, and all of your information you gave us tonight. Thank you. Thank you. I would also just like to um, make sure it doesn't come off like we're not willing to take our bikeway sweeper into certain neighborhoods. Uh, it just comes down to you have a full-time employee who has their route that they do and they can only do so much distance. There's a lot of routing that goes into it. Um, but I do support any support for getting us the uh, sweeping infrastructure to maintain our bikeways. And that would be the challenges of us and other advocates to lobby our city council at budget time to find that one more full-time employee and the money for the equipment in next year's budget. Thank you. Do you think one more sweeper would be sufficient to, to serve that area or is that? I guess, yeah, maybe this is a general. I probably would not be able to uh, speculate on that. I'm not in depth enough with our street sweeping routing. That would be a discussion with our division of recycling and solid waste to make, sweep our streets. Um, their funding is different than our funding. Their staffing is different than our staffing. Um, and so that would have to happen with them. Okay. Um, but if that's something that you would like to add to the log, that's something that we can follow up with. Yeah. I think it is. I think, yeah, it's worth following up. That seemed to be, a, I mean, there, there's a, a few issues with this particular corridor, but that seemed to be one of the, the larger ones. So, yeah, I think it would be important for us to follow up on that. Uh, Commissioner Harris. Yeah, I was going to um, request that we add that to the log so we could understand how much mileage, I guess, um, we would get out of one more sweeper. Um, not as an issue for this project. There are other issues, but we're now aware that as we continue to push for um, much more friendly bike lanes, we want to make sure that we don't continue to run into the same issue. It seems like this is a little bit of a, a chicken in the egg issue. We, we need to make sure we understand and we, we're advocating to have that capacity so that something more happens or that we make the conscious choice that um, Unfortunately, the areas that are used to having swept um, <clears throat> bikeways need to be less swept 
and then that is the transition, that's the choice that we would make um, if that's, you know, there's a choice that needs to be made there. Um, Respectfully, so with the commissioner's comments as well. Thank you. I would love to see them all swept to the same level, personally, because um, even in the areas where they are swept, there's still quite a lot of debris. Um, as someone who, yeah, rides them very often. Um, but just, I know we, if we might be beating this sweeper thing. They're here to talk about this specific design of the roadway, right? So if, do we have any additional comments on that? I see Commissioner Ellie you had, was it in regards to um, the design or about the street sweeper? Oh, good. Okay. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> um, but I appreciate the conversation. I think it's an important one. As we're going to see more and more protected bike lanes, so this is absolutely something that we should be able to maintain. And so I second uh, Commissioner Gonzalez's comment about it's our job to lobby council for that. Um, okay, I said I wouldn't talk about it. Um, I am grappling a, grappling a bit with um, the, the kind of analytical side of me really appreciates the consistency factor down the corridor. And then the person who is on roads as a bicyclist always feels like I have reached safe haven when I finally get to a point where there is a dividing line or, sorry, not a line, um, the actual physical barriers and I've run through the gauntlet of the class two blocks, and then I've made it back to the, you know, the nicely um, protected bikeway. And so I guess I'm, I, from the user's perspective, um, the inconsistency I think is actually not as much of a, I think the concern is sort of swapped from the from the line on the map that says this is one long, um, you know, bikeway that is this of this class or is of this design, and I would say, like, to push it towards actually the pro more protection um, and more protected facilities for the longer strip of distance without that sort of concern for the consist consistency down the corridor. Um, the, I think the bigger problem for users is feeling really unsafe with cars going 55 miles an hour next to them as opposed to, oh, I'm back in a protected zone. What am I doing here? I think, it, I think that's actually not sort of the, um, the way that I think users usually, at least me as a user, I'll speak for myself, but that's not usually what I think of like, oh, what are these bollards doing? I better not ride here anymore. <laughs> um, it's that, oh, you know, shoot, I've reached a section where I actually might not go on this strip of Franklin because there isn't a protected section and it's, you know, feels like I'm taking my life in my hand. So I, I appreciate that sort of approach of wanting that consistency, but I think I push you in that, I would push the other direction actually, I think of let's make this as good as possible for as much of much distance as possible, make it as safe and comfortable um, make it a joy to ride, not think of, oh, we're decreasing stress because of, you know, I don't know. It's that other, that other, that other side of him. I think you probably get it, but. So I, I think this is an interesting um, point. And so I want to pose the question um, about, so where, 
I, can, I get concerned is the reverse, where you have somebody who's not a confident bicyclist, and they see a segment that is protected, and they're riding and they're feeling good, and then all of a sudden that protection disappears, and they're right next to moving traffic. And so that had been kind of my concern, is accidentally lulling people into um, uh, all of a sudden being unprotected and downgrading their experience. Yeah. So is that something that you would feel concern about, like kind of the inverse there? I, yeah, I would, I think of that actually in the opposite of, I would say that's not a reason to give them less safety and protection for a block. It's a reason to look into how we can make this as safe as possible someday, as long as possible. So actually, it's not lulling them into the perceived safety by making it totally unsafe for them on the block. Um, prior, you know, um, yeah, I would, I would actually kind of make the opposite conclusion from that sort of analysis. Awesome. Well, thanks for your feedback. Yeah. Yeah. I was going to say, it's kind of the experience that we have now, too. Until we have a full built-out, you know, network of separated bikeways, I, I think we're kind of used to that experience of going from, you know, just a standard, you know, class two facility to a class four and back and forth. But yeah, I completely agree with you, Commissioner Lee, that, you know, if we have the ability to, to provide more protection, we should. Um, uh, Commissioner Hodel. Um, I agree with Commissioner Lee. I also think that the city, because you've got the county in there, and their standards are not the same as what our standards would be. It's unfortunate that the city has to lower their standards in order to have uh, a consistent-looking bike way. So I just wish there was some way that we could maintain our standards, encourage the county, and I don't know if you need to, you put up a sign. You know, city maintained, county maintained. <laughs> Probably not politically correct, but it would explain why there are differences in the bikeway. Yeah. I, I also don't want to make it seem like the county hasn't been good partners. They've been extremely good partners in this process. Everyone just has their own um, standards and their own levels of ability to maintain things. So we're trying to find the right balance. Uh, Commissioner Harris. I will speak up as a non-confident bicyclist. Uh, I have had a um, close to fatal bike accident in my teen years. Um, I think in a class two um, area, completely of my own creation. Um, and I just want to pose that the opposite is not lulling somebody in unwillingly. It's saying they're not welcome. That's you know, it's, you know, is this 50%, maybe I'm okay in the refuge and I'm willing to take the chain, chances versus a consistent bike path for someone like me who will just not get on her bike because I have crashed. Um, so I just want to be clear that, you know, it's not lulling, it's just making sure that they don't feel comfortable to ever try it. Thank you for your comment. Okay, so this um, item was for receive and provide discussion. I don't see any other commissioner's hands, but I guess I um, can't really provide you direction, but I'd love to see maybe after hearing from all of us today how uh, you all are 
potentially going to go back and, and look at, um, yeah, what we've recommended. Is that appropriate or? <laughs> uh, Chair, you can provide input. I think we should give staff time to consider, think yeah. about uh, that input um, and, and if appropriate, I will communicate with staff about whether or not this can come back or not. Great, thank you so much. <clears throat> and thank you again, Kelly, for your presentation this evening. I think it sparked some good conversation amongst the group, so thank you. Yes, great job. Okay, our next item tonight will be item number four, Fruit Ridge Road Improvement Project. Is there a staff presentation? Can everyone hear me? We can. Okay, awesome. Hello everyone, my name is Stephanie Seiss. I'm the project manager for Fruit Ridge Road Improvements Project. And today I will be presenting on some of the active transportation uh, benefits of this project. So before I dive into things, I wanna give you an overview of what to expect for this presentation. So I'll be going over the project location, project background, existing conditions, proposed improvements, schedule, and cost. So this project is located on Fruit Ridge Road between 65th Expressway and Power Inn Road. And towards the center, we have Earl Warren Elementary School. And to give you some background information, um, regarding how this project was initiated. So this project was initiated because there was a need to rehabilitate the pavement. The pavement was in poor um, condition. So the goal was to bring it into good conditions. But with um, here in the city of Sacramento, we like to, um, when we're rehabilitating pavement, we also like to look at streets that have the opportunity for safety improvements as well as mobility improvements. So the purpose of the project is to fix the pavement, but also to calm traffic and improve safety, as well as provide safe and comfortable mobility options for all users, pedestrians, bicyclists, transit users, and drivers. And I will be mainly focusing on active transportation components, but just for context, I'm gonna lightly uh, touch on the other components. So here we have a picture of the um, existing conditions of the pavement. As you can see, it's in poor conditions. Um, there's cracks and base failure, and the signals are outdated, and some date back as far as 1957. And this road is home to RT's Route 61, and there are a variety of different amenities. So in uh, some bus stops, we have plenty of space, and a bus shelter and others we have you know just a pole and then there are other stops where um, there's a lack of you know concrete pads across the landscape to provide ADA access and we also so Fruit Ridge Road is a four-lane high-speed arterial road and there are missing bike lanes in parts of the um, road and then there's also disconnected and narrow bike lanes and both vehicle and bike lanes do not meet current city standard widths. And as you can see, um, on the left we have the example of missing bike lane, and on the right we have 
an example of the disconnected and narrow bike lane. And so as you can see, it's like pretty tight. And I don't know about you, but I would feel very uncomfortable uh, driving on a road where vehicles are going 40 miles per hour or some, sometimes even more. And the reason why this feels uncomfortable is because this bike facility is not appropriate for this road. So we have a class two bike lane and you guys have seen this tool before. Um, <laughs> so what is appropriate for a class two bike lane? So a road that has around 5,000 to 12,000 cars per day with a posted speed limit of 25 to 35 miles per hour would be appropriate. But in Fruit Ridge, we have around 20,000 cars per day and the posted speed limit is 40 miles per hour. So what would be more appropriate would be a buffered bike lane or a separated bikeway. But of course, um, based off of the crash data that we've seen, um, the number one leading cause of most crashes is speeding. So speeding does happen here. And that aligns with um, things uh, related to the Vision Zero Initiative. And just for some background, so Vision Zero Initiative uses data to identify causes of crashes involving serious injuries and fatalities, as well as identifying countermeasures to reduce them. And 80% of crashes occur on these high injury network streets, which account for just 14% of our roadway network. And to the right, we have um, the high injury network map. And as you can see, um, our segment of Fruit Ridge Road is on that high injury network. And um, an important thing to highlight is that uh, crash victims who walk are 10 times more likely to be killed or seriously injured in Sacramento than crash victims who drive. And uh, why is this important? Well, in the um, Vision Zero Action Plan, um, it has data that shows that if um, someone is hit by a vehicle traveling at 20 miles per hour, they have a 5% likelihood of fatality. And if they're hit by a vehicle traveling at 30 miles per hour, they have a 40% likelihood of fatality. And then um, with 50 miles per hour and more, it's 100% um, guaranteed fatality. So it's really important to, um, as a countermeasure to slow vehicles down. And so road diets are one of our um, most effective tools to slow down vehicles. And the reason for this is because during non-commuting hours, um, when you have a four uh, vehicle lane, all the space makes the environment feel more, more like a highway. And so when we're able to narrow it down, um, this, this, this encourages uh, speeding and uh, risky behavior that typically happens when um, you have a empty road that's really wide. And with um, during uh, commute peak hours, what we do is through design and um, signalization, we're able to um, make sure that we're still allowing uh, vehicles to um, get through and for the road to operate successfully. And so other countermeasures um, that we can use to protect pedestrians are um, pedestrian refugee, refuge islands on medians, as well as appropriate bike lanes. And earlier I mentioned Earl Warren Elementary School is within our project limits. And this school was part of a, um, part of the 20 schools assessed in the Vision Zero School Safety Study. And it was found that they had around 64 collisions within a quarter mile of the school site. And um, in this study, it made observations on some of the challenges as well as countermeasures. Um, 
for the school site, and some of the observations noted were uh, things like drivers were seen not yielding to pedestrians when making right turns, there um, was limited curb space, or there is limited curb space on the corner of Lowell Street for students waiting to use the crosswalk. And um, to talk more about some of those um, improvements. So um, I'm gonna be going over uh, the key components that are active transportation related, um, but in your staff reports, uh, we included the design plans. So first, as I mentioned, our bus tool to reduce uh, speeds um, are lane reductions. So we will be doing um, a lane reduction going from four lanes to two lanes, um, which then gives us um, the width to be able to integrate appropriate bike facilities. So we will be integrating buffered bike lanes and where feasible, separated bikeways. And for, um, to improve the pedestrian experience, we are upgrading uh, pedestrian crossings uh, near schools, and in some locations we are adding uh, pedestrian crossing, and others we are upgrading the pedestrian crossings. So here is an example of a pedestrian crossing that is being added, and as you can see, um, there is um, high reflective markers and um, a pedestrian refuge island and a rapid flashing beacon. Uh, which is really important to have here because you have the school and then we also have uh, some bus stops so then people are able to um, get to those important locations. And then here we have uh, an example of we are adding curb extensions to shorten pedestrian crossings but also to provide more space for um, students and parents who might be uh, crossing to go to uh, Earl Warren Elementary School. And it was noted in the uh, school safety study that this is a high pedestrian area. So the need for more space for pedestrians is definitely needed. And another thing that we are adding, we are adding a two-stage turn box to improve the experience of bicyclists. And what that is, it essentially is a two-step um, process to make a left turn lane that um, is more safe and comfortable than going into the travel lane with vehicles and directly making a left turn lane. So this keeps uh, bicyclists out of the way of uh, traffic, flow, traffic flow like pedestrians and uh, bicyclists in cars. And the way this works is um, if you're a bicyclist, you're going along the street. So you're gonna be on the far right. And if you wanna make a left turn, you would on the green light, um, does this have a laser? I'll just pretend this is a bike then. Um, <laughs> sorry, what was that? I hope I don't turn this off. There's a red button. Oh, sorry. Sorry about that. Are you able to hear me better now? All right, I'll try to stick right here. Got excited with my explanation and stepped away. Okay, so if you're a bicyclist, you are, you wanna turn left. So you're gonna be on the far right, and so what you would do is you would, um, on the green light, cross the intersection, and then at that green box, you would wait there until you got a green light on the crossing intersection, 
And so um, that box keeps you away out of um, traffic low flow, so you're not um, in the way of pedestrians, bicyclists, cars. And so then um, when you get the green light, you're able to cross perpendicular and complete the left turn, which makes the experience more comfortable and more safe. And here we have another location where we are adding curb extensions and shortening the pedestrian crossing to um, allow people to feel more safe and get across more quickly. And then we are also, um, so we're coordinating with RT to make bus stop upgrades. And some examples of that include adding pads, uh, concrete pads um, for benches, shelters, as well as, um, like I previously mentioned, um, adding concrete pads on landscape strips to provide ADA access. And we are also improving access to bus stops by widening sidewalks to eliminate pinch points at poles. And to the right, here is an example of what I'm talking about. So the sidewalk is pretty narrow. And so where we have poles, there is barely any space to get by. So at these um, bus stop locations, we will be expanding the si or widening the sidewalk so that um, pedestrians or people um, on wheelchairs are able to get through um, more easily. And so you might be asking yourself, well, if you're doing both buffered bike lanes and separated bikeways, how is that gonna work? Like, how are we applying this? So we are placing uh, buffered bikeways wherever we have conflict points, like driveways, bus stops, and then wherever we have the space and no conflict points, we are adding separated bikeways with, um, and here it shows flexible posts. So here's an example on the bottom you can see we have uh, two conflict points, so we have a driveway and a bus stop, so we are implementing a buffered bikeway, but at the top where we have no conflicts, that is an example of a separated bikeway, and the little dots uh, represent the flexible posts. And so how will this road diet work? So road diets, as a rule of thumb, work uh, for roads that have around 25,000 cars uh, per day or less. And for Fruit Ridge, we have an average of 20,000, so we're in the clear in terms of that. But another thing is that it also depends on the nature of the cross streets. So if you have a minor cross street with um, not a lot of traffic, then you're able to allocate more green time to the road diet, um, which um, ensures it operates. But if you have um, major cross streets, uh, then here you have the challenge that the major cross street sometimes needs um, the same amount of green time or even more. Um, so then that creates an issue. And so in order to address this issue, we um, added lanes at the approaches of the major intersections. So we're essentially keeping the existing uh, configuration to ensure that um, operations work. And so we looked at doing a road diet all the way to the major intersection, but through the traffic study, it showed that the road diet would fail. And um, we also looked at widening the roadway, but to the north we have a cemetery, and then to the south we have some really big trees. So that wasn't a good option, so as a result, the best option was to keep the existing configuration of four lanes at the 
um, major um, intersections in order for the road diet not to fail. And here we have a zoomed out um, eye view so that you're able to see the transition from the four lane down to uh, the lane drop to the road diet. So here we have the major intersection of 65th Expressway. And then we also have an example of how that would work for when you're approaching power and road. So similarly, you have the road diet, and then which is a two lane, and then as you approach the major intersection, you expand back to um, the four lane road. And based off the traffic study, we anticipate a speed reduction of five to 10 miles per hour, which will help pedestrians feel more safe and comfortable with um, crossing the street as well as bicyclists um, riding down the road. And we are anticipating about a 12% reduction in traffic, mostly during commute hours. And neighborhood traffic counts were conducted as the baseline for post project evaluation because typically with road diets we have concerns uh, or residents have concerns with um, vehicles um, trying to cut through um, neighborhoods so that's why we collected that data so if we get any concerns we're able to um, compare it to the baseline and we recently had a community outreach event at Earl Warren Elementary School and here's an example of an exercise we did with residents. So we had them express um, how safe they felt on Fruit Ridge as well as how easy it was to get around uh, based on transportation mode. So green represents cars, blue represents um, on bicycle, yellow is for walking, and then red is transit. And so as you can see, most of the residents felt less safe walking and biking, and they felt it was also less easy to walk and bike along the corridor. And in general, well, the general response we got from residents was good. They liked the road diet because they felt that there was a need for safety along the corridor and the like the, they liked the idea of slowing vehicles down since there is a lot of speeding and sideshows that occur. Um, residents reported seeing people doing donuts and racing. So people, um, what's the word? Literally use the uh, four lane road as a speedway, kind of how I use, um, explained in my example. and. Based off the outreach, um, we had the initial design concepts include flexible posts for separated bikeways, but in speaking to some of the residents, they would like something more robust and aesthetic. So we're looking at the possibilities of including adding aesthetics in things like bulb outs or concrete for buffers. And the street is constrained in terms of right-of-way, so there isn't space to add landscape, um, but we will look into adding aesthetics in other ways and also evaluating more robust pedestrian crossings, flashing devices to improve visibility, including placement and median and potential mast arm configuration. And so you might be wondering, well, when is all of this happening? So we are currently in the preliminary engineering and environmental clearance phase, and we expect to be in final design in early 2024 and to complete final design in late 2024 and for construction to happen around 2025, depending on our grant success. And how much is this gonna cost? And do we have the funding for it? So for the engineering phase, 
the estimate is around 980,000, and we have um, local and federal funding to cover that. Um, in the presentation, the little check mark kind of got moved, but that's supposed to be like check. We have that funding acquired. And so for the construction total, we estimate, um, based off of our current scope, around 9.6 million. And we have a total of three million um, in local and federal funds. So we need around 6.5 uh, funding needed for construction, but we will be pursuing ATP or SACOC funds for the remaining construction funds. And we are tailoring the project to be competitive for grant funds. But one of the good things about not having um, full construction lined up yet is that we're also able to um, really create a more robust uh, scope based off of the feedback we got from residents. And so the total project cost then is estimated to be around 10.5 million. And just to reiterate some of the project highlights, we are implementing a road diet with buffered bike lanes and separated bikeways, which will improve the experience for bicyclists. And we will also be improving the experience for pedestrians by um, upgrading and adding pedestrian crossings with high visibility crosswalks, pedestri pedestrian refuge islands, curve extensions, and rectangular rapid flashing beacons. And we will also be upgrading the experience for transit users by upgrading bus stop amenities. And I did not cover this in the presentation, but we will also be upgrading curb ramps, which will improve ADA access for folks. And so with that, I'd like to thank you and open the floor to any questions. Thank you so much. Mm -hmm. uh, Clerk, are there any members of the public who wish to speak on this item? Thank you, Chair. I have no speakers on this item. Thank you. Are there any commissioners who wish to speak on this item? And I see a hand from Commissioner Gonzalez. Thank you. Uh, thank you, Stephanie, for the presentation. I appreciate it. Uh, as the appointed commissioner for District 6, this is in uh, my area, and it's a, it's a road I frequent uh, very often. Mm -hmm. And I'm, I'm very happy to see that a road diet is going in because um, not only do vehicles travel at high speed on Fort Ridge in that corridor, but they're also typically heavy freight vehicles, including lots of waste haulers um, headed out past 65th and out to uh, Florence Perkins in that area. So even at slower speeds, those vehicles have a, a great uh, likelihood to cause serious uh, injury or, or death if there's a collision mm -hmm. with a pedestrian. So, so that's really great. I do have a couple of questions. Yeah. Uh, first, you said 64 collisions. What was the time span for those collisions? The report did not say, but we I did see data um, over the last decade. Um, and there was like, uh, I think around 100 or 200 uh, collisions and around maybe like five or more fatalities. Okay. But that I'm was along the segment of Fruit Ridge, not just the school site okay um so but the 64 collisions was in proximity to the school site yeah a quarter of the school yeah within a quarter mile of the school site i would just guess that the 64 collisions were those that were reported and that we know that there are a great many of collisions that are unreported and also a great many of hit and runs that go unreported so uh we can even imagine that that figure may be much higher uh i do have a question about um are there any consideration for delayed timers uh, for the signals in the intersections there to provide additional time for pedestrians and cyclists, a buffer, since we're doing this reconfiguring of many intersections? Yeah, so I'd like to call for support from <laughs> my Phone teammate. <laughs> um, 
Yes, so we're still really early in the process, and so we haven't gotten into the detailed like signal operation design yet, but that is something that we will likely be evaluating and likely including. Fantastic, thank you. Um, so I see that we're taking it down to one lane of travel in each direction in the center lane um, for turning. Does that mean the removal of the trees? No, so we are keeping the existing median. However, if um, you look at the major intersection at 65th Expressway, uh, in order to, if we keep the existing configuration, the bike lane would still be substandard. So in order to bring it up to our current standards, there is a possibility, or we're exploring the possibility of maybe narrowing the median there. And so if we were to narrow the median, that would kill some of the trees. And so um, we would technically need to remove those trees, but we would then replant more trees. And um, there's also the possibility to plant even more because there are some spaces in the median where um, there isn't vegetation. Okay, so well we could also improve um, the median in, in that area. Oh, that, that's, I, that really heartens me very much because I'm not used to the city of Sacramento right now currently being in the business of planting median trees. So if we plan to replace those that we may harm in the yeah. cutting of the roots or even add more, that's mm -hmm. great. If you think of the section of, um, of Fruit Ridge between um, uh, 65th and, and Stockton Boulevard, you know, there's no trees at all and it's, it's a much different feel. Uh, than it is in the section around the school. Um, the pedestrian crossing at 73rd, where we're going to be using uh, yellow flashing beacons. Uh, we're actually also in the process right now of installing a pedestrian crossing at 12th Avenue in Stockton, which we talked about uh, a few months back here. And I believe at the time some of the discussion was basically that the reason at 12th and Avenue in Stockton that we're going to a, a green, yellow, red is because drivers understand that better and that the flashing yellow beacons aren't quite as effective. Mm. Um, I'm concerned because this is going to be used heavily by students yeah. uh, that we're going to use, you know, you're going to use a mechanism that quite frankly, I've seen many motorists just ignore altogether and yeah. take it as a under advisement, but yeah. not under, um, you know, like a hawk signal or a signalized. So any consideration there for a more persuasive signal than the, the, than the flashing yellows? Yeah, we could definitely look into seeing um, what alternatives we can implement that would be more effective for um, students and vehicles. Yeah, I, th I think that would be in our best bet since we're, you know, by the nature of installing the infrastructure, we're encouraging people to use it, right? But when the infrastructure itself doesn't always convey exactly to the drivers, the drivers of what they should exactly do, uh, some people, and we talked about confusion a lot here tonight, some people are quite confused clearly by those yellow flashing beacons and I see that on a regular basis. Last question, I'm sorry for many questions. We are talking about an inconsistent bike lane here. Yeah. And that's okay. But on Franklin, it's not. So here, um, obviously the goal is to provide the best facility that we can. And um, that is why we have kind of a, a variation between buffered and separated bikeways. Um, I can only speak for Fruit Ridge Road since this is a project that I'm managing. Um, and as I mentioned, um, wherever we have the space and no conflict points, then it's feasible to uh, integrate a separated bikeway. Thank you. I agree yeah. with your statements that we should be doing the best bike lanes where as possible and, and taking into consideration those, those I changes. I will add the street sweeper does fit in oh. this segment too. It wasn't even yes. on my list of so questions. We, so. have, we, have, thank you. we have more space. Multiple factors. Yes. <laughs>
Um, yeah, so again, Stephanie, I appreciate uh, the depth of your presentation and, and the effort here in this community that is you know, tragically underserved. Uh, again, to the west of this roadway between Stockton Boulevard and, um, and 65th, I hope that we can see additional infrastructure that mirrors this. In 2011, um, uh, in December, Michelle Manrigui was uh, walking through a, a crosswalk um, on her way um, back from West Campus where she was tutoring some children when the first car stopped for her and the second didn't, and she mm -hmm. was killed. Um, so uh, Michelle and many other people like her who have suffered on this road mm -hmm. uh, appreciate your efforts today and would appreciate the connectivity in the future all the way over to where we meet the county um, past Stockton Boulevard. But thank you very much, Stephanie. Mm -hmm. Thank you. Thank you, Commissioner Gonzalez. Um, next is Commissioner Gibson, and I uh, just want to give folks a, a time check. It is 7 p.m. We have three more items, um, but this has been a really, really great uh, conversation. But it will be a long night, so I hope everyone had dinner uh, before. Um, Commissioner Gibson. Uh, I just want to thank you again for the efforts for this road diet. It's definitely going in the right direction. I hope the comments I have here are, are uh, helpful to make this project go even further. I just also want to acknowledge that in Council District 3, South Natomas, we did have a lot, of, or still do have a lot of problems with sideshows and speeding along West El Camino, and I would have appreciated if when that redesign was done, I wasn't on the commission at the time, so I didn't have a chance to get formal input as a commissioner, uh, would have been reduced to two lanes uh, down the road, because I drive on that daily. Um, for some, uh, first of all, recommendations, is the center median, for the most part, still going to be a turn lane um, across the length of this project, except for the areas that already have trees? Yeah, that is the goal. Sure. Um, my recommendation was to close that off entirely, except for the roads that you have to connect through, mm -hmm. and so that when you're leaving one of the side streets, you only turn, I guess it would be to the right, and then use that area as a way to put in trees, especially in a... Uh, neighborhood that lacks a lot of the good trees we have, especially in our older communities. Yeah. Um, second recommendation uh, is I would echo the comments from the community members about protected bike lanes as much as possible. Mm -hmm. uh, we already talked about that earlier. Um, and then the third one I want to ask about is in the area with where there's currently that signal that Commissioner Gonzalez brought up, mm -hmm. or the proposed signal for pedestrian crossing, have you considered using a raised crosswalks to elevate the uh, pavement up a foot or so and maybe repaint it to make it really identify that this is a different part of the road. I know that might be a way to slow cars down also in the process. Mm -hmm. We can definitely look into that and um, it sounds like the, the main concern, obviously we want to do what we can to make sure vehicles, like the crossing is visible to vehicles and that it's distinguishable. So we'll definitely see what we can do because we did have residents comment that Sometimes as they're driving and the sun hits their um, windshields, uh, it's kind of hard to see. And so they, they would want something that is clearly visible even under those uh, circumstances. Yeah, so maybe something on the ground that's a different color, like painted red or green for a raised parse. Uh, just a recommendation on that area, especially if we want to continue to elevate uh, pedestrian infrastructure. And one other question I have is, would a roundabout at anywhere along the section be considered? That would definitely break up the opportunity for drag racing. Um, we can look into that, but I will say, so in terms of uh, the drag racing, I did uh, do some research, and uh, the city of San Jose has um, implemented certain designs to counteract that type of behavior and I did reach out to them and they sent me some countermeasures that um, 
we could potentially look into applying to prevent uh, that behavior across uh, Fruit Ridge Road. Okay, it sounds like that's probably a longer discussion for overall city design. Um, but any ways to break it up so it's not a single yeah. strip? Again, this is not one road. This is yeah. basically every road in Sacramento, unfortunately. Um, so thank you for your time and efforts on this project. I really appreciate mm -hmm. the direction this is going. Of course. Uh, Commissioner Harris. I want to um, compliment you on a wonderful presentation. It was really well done. Um, just really well-timed and really informative. And I also want to thank you and all of the staff for taking on this challenge. Um, you know, there's a lot of areas that it's easy to uh, get a little bit more, um, a little bit more frosting on the cupcake, and you're really looking at one of the most difficult, notorious boulevards here with huge safety issues, with real um, safety concerns that we've heard about, um, notorious um, around town. So I just, um, I really want to acknowledge the hard work that you've clearly done. Thank you. Yeah, thank you. Commissioner Banks. Yeah, like everybody else, thank you so much for the presentation. It's awesome. Look forward to seeing all the work done. I'm going to underline and agree and hope elevate what Commissioner Gibson and Commissioner Gonzalez said, especially around the schools. Yeah. The majority of, as you said, the majority of crashes occur um, in those low light situations when um, sun is coming through your windshield. That's at dawn and at dusk. So anything that we can do to help elevate the lights, which yellow probably won't be seen as yeah. well as green and red, et cetera, will help people um, slow down, as well as raising up that crosswalk, which will naturally slow everybody down. So I just wanted to add that, that little extra point. Thank you. Okay, yeah. Thank you. Oh, excuse me, Commissioner Banks. Uh, that's great, great recommendation. Um, just, I know we've uh, heard a lot today, and the the commission seems really interested in this project. So I hope that this, um, you know, once uh, you're further along in the design, we'd love to to have you come back and and share the progress uh, mm -hmm. with us if um, you all are amenable to that. So. Thank you again uh, so much. I don't, ha don't have any additional comments that haven't already been shared um, by others on the commission, and I know we have other things to discuss. I was really pleased, though, I'll just say, to hear that the community was asking for more. I know there's been other parts um, of Sacramento where they haven't really been as open to road diets, and so I think it's really encouraging to hear that that's what, what they want in their community. So hopefully we can deliver um, on that. But thank you again. Great, great presentation, um, and I don't think we have any... No other hands at this time, so. Thank you. Thanks for yeah. having me. Thank you so much. All right. Our next item is item number five, Transportation Demand Management Ordinance Update. Uh, this item is for review and comment. And do we have a staff presentation? Good evening, commissioners. My name is Cassandra Cortez. I'm a transportation planner with the City of Sacramento and the Department of Public Works. And tonight, I'll be providing a project introduction into the Transportation Demand Management Ordinance Update for the commission to comment on. So to start off, the TDM Ordinance is a policy and programmatic tool that the city can use to encourage fewer vehicle trips. Under the current TDM ordinance, eligible employers and developers are required to establish TDM programs 
to promote alternative commute modes, such as biking, walking, transit, carpooling, and vanpooling. Examples of TDM tools can include educational campaigns, subsidies for transit, preferential parking, carpool matching, and more. And the reason why we're doing this project is because transportation contributes 57% of Sacramento's greenhouse gas emissions. And this effort is in alignment with the city's climate action and adaptation plan to achieve carbon neutrality, as well as the general plan to have 23% of all trips be made by transit, active transportation, and pooled shared modes, both by 2045. So the city of Sacramento has a TDM ordinance that was first established in 1989. And more than 30 years later, the transportation system has changed and the ordinance is no longer effective in helping the city reach its goals around climate and transportation. And there are a number of reasons why this ordinance needs to be updated, including one, the current ordinance applies to development projects that plan to employ 100 full-time equivalent employees or more. And with Sacramento's employment base widely being state agencies, who aren't subject to local ordinances, there's not a lot of developments that subscribe to this ordinance. Additionally, the current ordinance is unclear about the ongoing management and monitoring of the program. And lastly, the mitigation measures are out of date with today's best practices. So the city's updating the ordinance to better respond to the changing transportation needs and define the role of Sacramento businesses, organizations, and partner agencies to help the city meet its goals better. So to accomplish all this, um, city staff have selected a consultant to assist in developing a citywide TDM report and policy recommendations. And to accomplish this, the project team will complete a number of steps. To start off, the project team will conduct community engagement with two sets of focus groups that will be targeting businesses, developers, advocacy groups, TMAs, and more. And overall, the engagement will seek to understand existing conditions, constraints, and opportunities in the current ordinance as well as obtain feedback on the recommended program strategies. Additionally, the project team will conduct a review of existing conditions around land use, transportation, and mobility trends in and around Sacramento. Our consultant will conduct a replica data analysis to understand origin and destination data for trips that either start or end within the city Sacramento, Sacramento limits, and will look at attributes such as mode, um, distance, and time. The project team will also develop vision and goals around outputs, outcomes, and targets for performance measures for the TDM program. And next, moving on, the project team will conduct a review of TDM best practices that align with the policy goals and objective. And then finally, the project team will develop an implementation plan to outline how the program will be administered, funded, monitored, and evaluated. And the final outcome of all this will be a citywide TDM report and policy recommendations that will be codified. Our project kickoff was in July of 2023, and we expect the project to be wrapped up in December of 2024. So that's all we have for today for introducing the TDM ordinance update. I wanna thank you all for having me here tonight, and if you have any questions, I'm happy to answer them. Thank you so much. Uh, Clerk, are there any members of the public who wish to speak on this item? Thank you, Chair. I have no speakers on this item. Thank you. Are there any commissioners who wish to speak on this item? Commissioner Rowe. Um, can you just clarify like how many projects currently are required to follow the ordinance? Um, I'm gonna phone a friend. <laughs> <laughs> 
Hello, um, Leslie Mancibo, Senior Transportation Planner with the City of Sacramento. Unfortunately, we, um, well, let me go back to what Cassandra said earlier. Um, this ordinance was um, initiated in 1989, and so many of the records are in a file cabinet. Um, hundreds, uh, I'd say probably over 300 of these um, plans that were entitled are in paper form still. And so it's really hard to get a firm, um, grip on um, who is entitled and when they were. And that is part of this project is to identify a way that we can better track these moving forward so that we can um, follow up on those entitlements and make sure that they are being adhered to and um, make sure that they're meeting our needs, right? So that we can continually monitor the program. So uh, um, uh, I cannot give you an answer that I'd be confident with, but many of these are old paper records that, um, have been um, updated over the years, and some of the files are like this thick. <laughs> okay, can I ask a follow-up question? <laughs> um, so uh, just to clarify, the this is like an ongoing requirement for employers of a certain size to have some sort of transportation demand management. So they have to, yes. on an ongoing basis, they would have to show like, we offer transit passes or bike Lots, One of the major deficiencies okay. in the current ordinance is that it's not clear if it's evergreen, how many years, if the property owner is uh, responsible, or if the uh, employer, the, the, the actual tenant of the property. So that's something that we want to suss out and make really clear in the new ordinance. And then no state entity needs to follow this ordinance. We cannot even entitle them to, but we can lead by example and set a high bar and encourage them to do so. And does would this include the UC Davis project as a state? Um, yes, it does. But I must um, commend UC Davis, uh, uh, the medic, uh, the health UC Davis Health. Is that what they're called now? They've changed over the years. Um, UC Davis, the UC system in general, does a pretty good job of. Um, um, entitling themselves to this high standards. They have actually one of the better programs um, in the city. Great, thank you. Which you used to be a part of, I think, right? <laughs> so, oh. <laughs> <laughs> I did used to run the TD program. The TD program for UC Davis. <laughs> she knows from experience, yes. <laughs> it's fantastic. Mm. Uh, Commissioner Lee. Mm. Uh, Great, thank you. Um, thanks for the presentation, and I'm really excited to see this. Um, I'll tell on myself, and I was uh, at happy hour with colleagues recently, and I'm a transportation professional, and we were saying how TDM is such an important thing that needs to get way more attention, how it's always sort of been put as like a nice little thing at the end, um, and it is, there's just so much room for really um, bolstering it as a, as a piece of the transportation field, so I'm excited to see this happening. Um, and, okay, so a few of those things that we were kind of chatting about is the, the idea of sometimes TDM ordinances apply perhaps to buildings, right? Or property owners, I think is how you mentioned it, and that there was really a need for it to be almost tenant-specific. Tenant so the, you know, I worked at a transportation agency and there were 17 different uh, entities or organizations or businesses within that building and they all had different TDM ordinances or they were trying to fall under the, the building or the property owner. But anyway, there, essentially um, some notes that I was taking down was that TDM ordinances like being um, targeted to those tenants and making those tenants really um, 
uh, follow those rules as opposed to like a building owner being able to send in a form every year or for 10 years or however often was like something that was seemingly really important. Um, uh, I had another thing that I've forgotten. Um, oh, I'm curious who the consultant is. If you can divulge. Uh, we onboarded Steer. Steer. Yeah. They used to be known as Steer Davies Gleave, and now they're oh. Steer. Mm -hmm. And then we have um, um, AIM. AIM Consulting as our outreach firm, and they're local. Okay. okay. And Steer has done a lot of work. They've updated for, I believe, Santa Monica, um, Honolulu. SCAG, Honolulu, they just recently did. And that's actually, we really liked the Steer um, applic uh, proposal because at the same time that the Honolulu was updating their TDM ordinance, they were also updating their active transportation plan, which is a similar situation that we're in. So they, they were able to fi find that nexus. Yeah, neat. Mm -hmm. Cool. Thanks for the info. Thanks, yeah, that was my question. I was curious who you were gonna be working on. Um, also, just uh, if there had been any attempt to work with the state as you're developing this ordinance. I know that's like, what agency, who would you talk to? But just because they are such a big employer here in our city, I'm almost wondering, uh, yeah, I'm curious if you have any of them on your working group. Not yet, but we know people. Um, <laughs> no, um, we are starting with our initial um, engagement. And actually, you could have answered this, Cassandra. I'm sorry to step on you. Oh, I don't know. There's some echo, huh? Um, uh, in our initial engagement, we're not excluding state partners um, in that. Um, there are some state agencies that have robust TDM programs, and so we are learning from them about what works and what doesn't. Even if they may not be entitled, we want this to be really, um, we want this to be a well-informed process. Awesome. So I assume working very closely with the TMAs, too. Yes. Fantastic. Chair. Chair. <laughs> have one of them. Um, no, I think that's great. Yeah, there are plenty of state agencies, I think, that are doing a good job at this, but there's, you mm -hmm. know, also a lot of them that aren't. So um, I think it's it's good to know that you'll be working with them. Um, yeah, I'm not seeing any additional hands. I think we're all really excited and really appreciate, Alexandra, you coming forward and presenting this to us and giving us a schedule for when we can expect uh, to hear more on the work. So... Uh, yeah, I, th I think we're good. Thank you we're all. Happy easy. Exactly. Yeah. Thank you so much. <laughs> yeah, thank you. Okay, moving along. Our next item is item number six, Active Transportation Commission 2022 Annual Report Discussion. Give Jennifer some time to get down. <laughs> Take Thank it away. you, Chair. Jennifer Donlin-Wyant, Transportation Planning Manager. Um, and I think, Chair, we had discussed taking this and the next item together as one item. My apologies. Yes, I would like to take both items together. So right now we'll be discussing the Active Transportation Commission 2022 Annual Report and also the Active Transportation Commission 2023 Annual Report. Wonderful. Thank as you, one. Chair. So I think what we'll do is I'll give my presentation and then Jeff will follow up and do the presentation. Uh, and then we'll be happy to answer questions from the public or from commissioners. Um, so good evening, commissioners. Jennifer Dolan-Wyant, Transportation Planning Manager. Um, here to discuss and get feedback from you on the 2022 annual report. Um, for those who were able to attend in person, um, Chair Dua Westbrook gave an incredible presentation to City Council um, on your 2022 report, and there was robust attendance in the room from members of the public and from those folks who wrote in comments and then callers. Um, I was surprised and very impressed. It was wonderful. 
Um, and from that discussion with, with council, they had a couple of follow-up items. And that's why I'm here today, is that um, uh, some of the follow-up items need clarification from you in order for me to move forward. So if you remember, I'm sure you do, because you know your reports pretty well, um, in February of 2023, you uh, approved and asked us to bring to forward to council the recommendations from this commission uh, to city council, and that included increasing funding for active transportation, expanding speed, the, um, sorry, expanding our speed management program, developing a safe route to school program, finalizing the construction detour policy, developing an ATC dashboard, creating a quick build bikeways program, pilot an electric bike library and e-bike incentives, increase bike parking, and reestablish slow and active streets. And Commissioner uh, Chair Dewar respect made that presentation to council and they had a couple of follow-up questions. Um, sorry, I'm skipping around on presentation. See, we went to PNPE, which is the, I'm never gonna get this right, this is why I put the full name in here, the Pu Personnel and Public Employee Committee of City Council, which is a subcommittee of council, in June, and uh, there again, a robust discussion forward on to council, and then uh, in August, a uh, full discussion. And so there were a number of things. Uh, if you didn't watch, uh, I encourage you to watch that meeting. Um, they asked for an update on the timeline for AB 43, which is a um, legislation that allowed cities to uh, round down speed limits under certain conditions. And that is under the purview of the city traffic engineer. I've asked him to report back to the council on that. Provide council information on tactical urbanism. Again, that is under the city traffic engineer. I've met with him and discussed, and he's gonna report back on that. Um, develop cost estimates for the report recommendations, which is why I'm here before you tonight. I need a little bit more information in order to develop those cost estimates. Um, and then provide council information on a traffic calming toolkit, which again is under the purview of the city traffic engineer. He and I have met, and he is moving that forward. So today I'm asking for clarification on four items that you recommended to city council so that I can then go back, work with colleagues to develop cost estimates of what it would be. Uh, Mayor Pro Tem Bang asked for that, and I promised I would get it to her by the end of the calendar year, so I shall, and I need your help to get there. So with no further ado, um, the first one is to, uh, I need clarification on Expanding speed management program. What does that mean? What efforts would you like to see? I'm gonna run through all of them and then what I'm gonna do is let Jeff speak and then we're gonna circle back and I for sure want uh, specific information on this number two. What do you mean by expanding the speed management program? Uh, what specific things are you looking for so that I can say, is it additional staff, additional tools, infrastructure dollars, for example? Develop a citywide safe routes to school program. What does that mean? Does that mean uh, a staff person? Does that mean uh, infrastructure around schools? Uh, you know, there are, um, there are E's uh, that are often used. Uh, there are many E's. Uh, I'm always gonna forget them when I'm under the camera lights, but we're gonna start with education, encouragement, evaluation, engineering, equity, got engagement. See, this is what happens, they don't get them enough. And when we dropped enforcement, enforcement has been dropped uh, from the E's. Um, but those are some of the E's. And so uh, what, where do you want to cover in Safe Routes to School? Uh, what pieces are important to this commission? Then pilot an electric library and promote e-bike incentives. So uh, we made a present presentation to you on our pilot e-bike lending program through the library system. Um, and we'd like to know Specifically, what would you like to see um, in the, in, around the e-bike library and then the e-bike incentives? And then last but not least, increased bike parking. 
Um, as Jeff has given his presentation to you before, on our bike parking program, we do have a small budget annually to provide bike parking in the public right-of-way. And uh, we also collect a small fee for every shared rideable trip uh, because every shared rideable trip creates a need for bike parking and we use that fund to create bike parking. And we install bike parking based on a number of factors that includes um, requests. Anybody can send us in a request, we'll go out and we'll evaluate them. We, um, much of our team, including Jeff and I, are people who bicycle. And so we often see a need when we're out about in the city and uh, various parts of the city. And then we use shared rideable data. Um, it's, it's a great data platform that we can collect and we can see where people are ending their trips. And then shared rideable citation data because our parking enforcement officers issue citations to devices that are blocking accessible paths of travel. And so we use that data to determine whether or not uh, there's a need for parking there and that is the reason why the scooter or bike is blocking the sidewalk. So I'd like a little bit of clarification on the expansion of the bike parking program. Uh, and that, without it, those are the four things that I'd like to hear from you. But the, the information is very much related to moving forward with your 2023 annual report. Um, and so we're asking that we take this presentation together because there's overlap. And we'll be probably reporting to council on the outcomes of the 22 report at the same time you're wrapping up the 23 report. So with that, I'm going to turn it over to Jeff to make his presentation. Thanks, Jennifer. Good evening. Jeff Jelson, Transportation Planner. Um, so this item is a review and comment, the 2023 ATC annual report. Um, so to re recap, I came here last month um, with the report, the draft report, and uh, we'll continue to come with this item until we finalize the report. So um, last month we discussed those um, nine items, the recommendations from the 2022 annual report. And then we had discussed about kind of the format of what we would like to move forward and the nesting of these items under the larger kind of increased funding for active transportation. Um, and so we came up with the draft for that um, from that discussion. Um, these costs, like Jennifer mentioned, um, we will be developing over the next couple of months. Um, and so those are highlighted in yellow. Those are just examples of what it would look like. Um, so yeah, I'm here to uh, show you that and then um, um, have a discussion on whether or not that is reflective of our discussion last month and then um, any other comments. Thanks. Awesome, that was very quick. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you both for, yeah, um, presenting to us. Um, before we get started with our comments, Clerk, are there any members of the public who wish to speak on this item? Thank you, Chair. I have no speakers. Thank you. Are there any commissioners who wish to speak on this item? Not all at once. Uh, Commissioner Gibson, then Commissioner Banks, then Commissioner Harris. Uh, I just want to fir uh, first say uh, I was really appreciated by I watched the meeting and attended in person, but the council members, especially uh, Mayor Pro Tem Vang, were very interested in this work. So um, whatever work was done here uh, before I was a commissioner is definitely appreciated, and I hope we continue to move this forward. Uh, my one comment is not on those specific items, but for the report for upcoming, is I do believe we probably should have a preamble to list out um, kind of more of um, 
our purpose behind promoting active transportation infrastructure. I have some text, I don't know if it's most appropriate to uh, read out now, but about a half a page just outlining that, you know, our city has a zero, uh, zero vision policy. However, um, Sacramento's part of a nationwide trend where, you know, fatalities are going up. Some of that's outside of our city's control, but also acknowledging that we have a lot of plans that are uh, very good plans. Um, and I know we want them to be better, but um, we just need more funding for those. So I have some texts that kind of go out, uh, those I would recommend for a preamble, so. Mm -hmm. Great. Yeah, I, I think that's a great recommendation. We can, um, maybe if you want to work out with Jeff. Yeah, to... um, you can email me that, and then I can incorporate in the draft. I can bring it to next month's ATC. Okay, I'll send you a preamble uh, after this meeting. Thank you. Great. Uh, Commissioner Banks. Yeah, so I'm playing catch-up because I missed um, last month's meeting. I'm, not, I'm trying to understand why these are basically the same reports in 2022 and 2023. I have my own thoughts, but Jennifer. I'm curious. <laughs> because basically they're the exact same report, slightly different um, organization of them, and I know that we want to move forward on these things, is that because we want to double down on these, these are the right, help me, somebody. Commissioner Banks, I think it's easier for me to come here than turn backwards to look at you. Um, so why are we doing them? Why are they similar? Um, they're similar because one, we have a, a format that we have to follow that is um, managed by the clerk's office, but why is the content the same? The content is the same because we still haven't finalized the last year's recommendations going to city council. So we're gonna be bringing forward those not, we're still in the process of bringing your 2022 nine recommendations to city council. We brought them um, uh, in August, but we're refining them, giving them the cost estimates to go to them before the end of the calendar year with the understanding that council member Mayor Pro Tem Bang wants to have that for the discussion for budget. So that's going to happen in spring of 2024 at the same time of you wrapping up your next year's report. And if it has different items, there's inconsistency. And so in our minds, the recommendations wouldn't have changed significantly from the 2022 recommendation. However, if the commission says staff, our priorities have changed over the last 12 months and there are things that we'd like to see that are different. This is the time for you to let us know. We have, um, and we agendized it for August, September. We expect October and November. November is your last meeting of the calendar year and it needs to be finalized by November. And it, you cannot have subcommittees any longer, so the discussions need to happen in public in these meetings. So this tonight is one of the times where you can share. We no longer want to support I don't want to identify any of them because I don't want to bias the conversation. We don't want to support, you know, whatever, letter X. It's not a priority for us anymore, and it, or maybe we only want to prioritize four, or maybe we want to prioritize 10, but this is the time for that discussion. I just want to caution the commission that council will be still reviewing your 2022 report after you finalize this one. And it's unfortunate, but this is a unique situation. We were the very first commission to go through this process we are learning as we are going, um, and how it works, and how once you're done, how do we get to PNPE, then how do we get to council, and how does that align with council and their, their budget discussions? Um, and so apologies for the confusion and the overlap, 
but um, we're working through the process as we go. Super helpful. I don't feel crazy anymore. <laughs> Thank you. Oh, there we go. Yeah, I really appreciate that additional background. I was also going through that at first. The very first time this was brought forward to us, I was like, this is the same thing. But yeah, I, I'm i of the belief that if we, we change it, it's we're not going to actually get money for what we, we want. So I would like to go that route, but of course I'm open to you know, any ideas others on the commission have. Uh, Commissioner Harris. That's a great transition. So thank you so much, Commissioner Banks. Um, and we're all feeling out how to go through this process. I too am learning. Um, so during our last um, commission meeting, we talked about this issue and how we could make our um, request more directive and easier to respond to for city council. I, I almost see this 23 report being a refinement um, by design of really maybe reprioritizing and putting those specific costs as we have highlighted there um, and appreciate um, <laughs> the feedback that we need to be, um, we need to provide a dollar in a specific um, for staff and the city council to respond to. So um, I agree with the addition of a preamble for just providing some background. I had some other comments. I can provide them to staff, but I think it'd be helpful for us to talk about internally what our priorities are, if there's anything we want to change in its order, or if um, anything we want to remove. One suggestion I would have that might be the, the most radical um, would be to have after their preamble um, a brief successes and programs underway. Um, so just, you know, it's always nice for to get a little, you know, pat on the back for the things that have been going well, um, because obviously this is, um, maybe it's a little bit of a compliment sandwich or an ask sandwich um, that we, you know, recognize the things that have gone well. One of the things that um, has been a recent win um, that's on our list is the e-bikes program and whether that is something that we might want to put on to underway and monitoring, um, or if there is a new ask specific to the e-bikes that we want to do, or whether there's something we want to continue to monitor. I did see in the news that Stockton has um, suspended, I believe, their program. Um, we are not Stockton. I don't know the details of Stockton, but perhaps you know we, we take the win and that's not um, something we want to expend our political capital on. Maybe we just want to see how on that program's going. Other successes um, that we could provide a bulleted list would be all the great work that's been done on the TPP, um, the ongoing work on the streets for people, um, as well as the e-bikes program, and perhaps some facts and figures on investments in sidewalks, bike lanes for the last, you know, the 22-23 period. Um, I have some other ideas for some specific language, but I wanted to see how the commission felt about including some wins in our report and transitioning the e-bikes um, you know, into a, a hold monitoring pattern in the meantime. Commissioner Harris, I tried to do a little bit of complimenting towards the beginning, but yeah, I agree it would be good to add, you know, the breadth of, the full breadth of all the work that they're doing. So I'm open to maybe adding some language um, in the report around just all the great work that your team is doing um, already. Um, I'm also wondering, like, 
because we're the first and because there's not really like a, a way about, can we just call this the 2023-2024 report or, or 2022-2023 report? Like, do we still have to continue to go about it like we have two separate documents even though we all know they're the same thing with just the detail that council has asked? Chair, the ordinance language says an annual okay. report. Okay. Uh, so I'm, I'm going to say you can't. So I would recommend okay, no, you it's don't. fine. Um, but we will work with you to facilitate a smooth process. Okay. Um, yeah. Yeah, no, understood. I was like, this might make it easier for us, I think. But yeah, no, that's a, a good point. Um, and then uh, on your comment around uh, the e-bikes, so... You know, obviously we learned about the e-bike program after kind of putting forward a report, which is not ideal, but the ask has always been for more. So the city has a pretty small e-bike fleet. Um, and it, the way, you know, I understood our ask was we want to be comparable to cities our size. So the city of Oakland has over 100 of um, e-bikes that are available for the public to loan. Uh, ours is much, much smaller than that. So, excuse me. So while I do think it's it's great that we are we do have this program and it's ongoing, um, yeah, I, I, I don't know if I want to put it on the back burner yet. I want to grow the program. I don't want to uh, stop with, with where we're at. But that's a, a me request. I want to know how others feel too. Um, and then as far as how to go about edits, I mean, the whole point is that we're having full conversation here. So I'd like to avoid any, you know, major um, revisions being just emailed to Jeff. I really would like us to have a conversation here. So um, if you want to, to share what you were hoping to email now, go for it, or we can, um, you know, I have three other people on the queue, but uh, yeah. Uh, I think it would be helpful to first talk about the WINS and the e-bike program, and then everything else I had was just perhaps some refinements to language. Um, that yeah, I can give some high level and see how people feel about it, just trying to make it um, to uh, staff's point, to make it clear what we're asking for, because we use very broad language, and as I understand it, I was unable to make the meeting, unfortunately. Um, you know, we need to provide a better ask so we can get a cost, so we can get funding. So we need to be really clear about what the ask is, and I've, where I've, where I can, I've come up with some ideas for to get feedback on, because it's always nice to have a draft. Um, but there's some such as um, 1F, I don't know what we would add to that. I don't understand it. So, But I, I think it'd be helpful to talk about perhaps just this idea of wins, and do we put the e-bakes in the wins, or do how do we, otherwise we need to refine what we're specifically asking for. Thank you. Yeah, so I agree with the wins, so we're going to um, try to include some language around that. I think we can include, um, you know, that we've started a program, uh, but that we want to see it to continue to grow. And if we want to establish a number, I mean, in our report, we say that the city of Oakland purchased 500 e-bikes. So as a commission, do we think that 500 e-bikes is what we want? Do we, do we want to ask for less? I think putting a number to it would be helpful. We could reach out to the city and find out how much, I mean, they received a million dollar grant, so obviously that helped with the purchase of it, but um, I think we can maybe coordinate with them to find out exactly how much they paid for those 500 bikes. Um, so I guess that's a question to you. Can we just do like a thumbs up or how do we go? Yeah, they want to talk about other things, so I assume 
Um, and we need to have numbers for, yeah. Some e-bikes, okay. Yeah, I think maybe if someone has a, if your question right now is in regards to the e-bikes, then we'll take those. Um, Commissioner Rowe. I don't know how many bikes are in that fleet for uh, Colonial Heights Library. Is it, do you, is it 10 or? I think it's 10 or less. Uh, we have more, more than 10 bikes were purchased, but there can't be, at the library, it cannot be accommodated more than a certain number of bikes. It, Got it. It, I don't have the specific number with me, but it's not a, it's not a significant. Okay. Yeah, um, so I, I think just, just one idea out there is um, having maybe w at least one per district. And I think for all of these cost estimates, we should like maybe also emphasize we could always use more money for active transportation, but this is kind of the bare, you know, the minimum that we want to aim for, at least in this plan. Because I do feel, yeah, I feel uncomfortable being like, oh, well, we think this is the sufficient amount mm -hmm. that we think um, is a finite amount, but also recognize that when we have a specific number, it's, you know, it's easier for council to understand like how this could fit into the budget. So that's all. No, thank you. I really appreciate that. Um, but now it's made me think of another issue mm -hmm. is if where we have the existing fleet, if they're unable to even host 10 bikes, mm -hmm. we're not only having to do an estimate for the cost of purchasing the bikes, but also where they're going to be stored and maintained. Uh -huh. um, so And staffed. And staffed. So there are a lot of considerations. So our my staff's job is to figure out all those things. That's what we do for a living, right? So this is what we'll do. What we want to understand is what is commission's expectation. Um, and so if commission's expectation is to replicate something similar to the city of Oakland, where they have 500 e-bikes that are believe Oakland's also lending them through the libraries. I can't say for 100% sure, but that's what we're doing through our library program. Um, we can look into that, and we, all, we have relationships with the city of Oakland. We can make that happen. If you want to say a different number or a different type of program, I need to hear that as well, so we can go back and develop those cost estimates. Thank you. Uh, Commissioner Odell. You should collect data from the existing program and see if those bikes are actually being used. I would also suggest that you ask the people returning the bike, what did you think of your experience? I, because I was not impressed with the bikes that were at Colonial Heights. So I think if you take a survey of patrons who may check out a bike, you need to find out what kind of bike do they want to check out. You know, is it a trike or a cargo bike or a road or you know some other bike for different purposes because I don't think 100 of those tricycles that are at Colonial Heights is a good idea. Commissioner, so I'm hearing is that to include in the cost estimates, you want us to include a survey and a, pro a survey to understand the current system how it's working and use the output of that survey to inform how that program would be expanded. If it's not working. <laughs> well, the pro it's a pilot. It, ha uh, yeah. it literally has just started, so we won't know for at least a year 
how well that's so working. Maybe, yeah, so maybe we wait. That, maybe maybe we need to find out the results of the pilot before we suggest that the city procure hundreds more. This was my thought process. This is a win. You, you know, we got a pilot, but the monitoring is, it's pretty new. Um, and I, I am concerned, frankly, that staff has a lot of work in a very short time for us to, and you know, I would love everything, right? I'm not against everything. For me, this is a win. Let's see how it goes, learn, and then iterate. Yeah, I am, I, told, I agree with you there. I, I don't think it's a fair evaluation of what a bicycle lending library could be though. There was no outreach really before the purchase of the bikes. So I think there needs to be some hesitation like after a, a survey is done, if, if we had variety of different bikes for the community members to try, maybe then I would feel a little bit more confident about whether or not our community was supportive of this type of model. But we, yeah, as you said, I've already heard several complaints from folks about the type of bikes that were selected. So, um, but it's, it's, it's a pilot. So, um, I don't know, does anyone else have any thoughts on, do we wait for the outcomes of the pilot? I know Saba is also doing, uh, a similar I kind do of, a respect if yeah. I may interject for a second. Um, oh my gosh, I lost my train of thought. Oh my God, I'm so sorry. <laughs> um, I, I think that oh, the, this was lower on your priority. So you, as a commission, prioritize this. This is number seven of your nine priorities. So thinking about how you spend your time working here together as a group through our public format of time spent on your interactions, I don't. I want you to consider where you should spend your time um, discussing because number two, expansion management was your second highest priority. Your third highest priority was develop a safe routes to school program, followed by seven, the electric uh, e-bike library, and then eight, bike parking. Just wanna center that a little bit. Thank you. Uh, Commissioner Banks. Thank you. Um, great conversation. I'm trying to follow it all along. I have a lot to say about e-bikes, but I'm not gonna say it right here, right now except that we are also in the e-bike space so we can help in some ways. I love the idea of talking about the wins at the head, at the top of this. I also think it'd be really important for us to consider this report with both an equity lens, a safety lens, so vision zero and safety, and thirdly, a climate lens. So if we were to take those three things, which are priorities of city council right now, especially um, some of the work on climate, it might change these num these um, this list slightly. Um, but even if it doesn't change the list, I can make an argument for every sing single thing that's on this list under one of those things, one of those three things. I think we need to make sure that that information is what drove our work along these lines, unless it didn't. But I would assume that um, Vision Zero and safety is at utmost importance for the commission, as well as um, the way in which active transportation, which is one of the least expensive things, and that we usually get crumbs financially, but one of the biggest things can actually make a change in our climate. So that's a really important, I think, uh, discussion for us. And then what was my third one? Equity, of course. We want to um, focus all of our work first and foremost in our um, disadvantaged and low-income communities to raise up um, those communities. Thanks. 
Commissioner Rowe. Hi. Okay. Um, to go to your question about what to inform the cost estimates for the four things, um, these are just my opinions. Um, for the speed management program, I think a reasonable goal would be to fund it at the neighborhood traffic management program funding levels, uh, maybe like adjust it from 2010. I'm sure that's still not adequate, but uh, maybe that could be a good ballpark number to start with. For the safe routes to school program, um, I think what would be wonderful is to have like staffing for you know, a sufficient number of coordinators to work across all uh, schools across the city um, and have some sort of fund, like ongoing funding for programming at schools, maybe targeting at uh, uh, schools that um, uh, maybe are near our, like the Vision Zero, uh, I forget the, the specific um, term, terminology, but you know, areas in need or areas where there's a high number of collisions. Um, and then for e-bike library, uh, I think 500 is a perfectly fine number for um, if we want to just have a compare ourselves to Oakland, and that might be um, also an easy way to uh, sh um, you know get a cost estimate if we know how much their program has been. Um, and then I, I also just emphasize maybe like expanding the program to other dis, uh, districts um, in different types of locations to, and to, and to uh, encourage different types of um, e-bikes to be available. And then for bike parking, um, I wonder if we have an idea for the number of uh, demand that there is for bike parking um, and maybe at least just the cost estimate to be able to fully meet that demand we have from private businesses or um, other other uh, places where uh, bike parking is needed. So, Thank you, Commissioner Rob. A couple of follow-up questions. Um, I can look at our old NTMP, which is the Neighborhood Traffic Management Program, I think, back from way before Jeff and I worked in the city. We'll see if that is. We see if we can find what budget was allocated for that and then adjust for inflation should the commission want to do that. Um, for safe routes to school, you say staffing for sufficient staff to coordinate. By sufficient staff, how many staff? I am not a transportation professional, so I'm not sure like how much um, uh, is kind of standard. I guess like what would be ideal is like every school has a coordinator and has um, funding for events and things. Um, but. Uh, yeah, I wonder if there is some sort of other parallel we can draw, like a cluster of schools, like maybe the same coordinator used is used for the same, like the high school, middle school, elementary school feeder pyramid, and then well, I think I need to pause for a moment be. to clarify. Okay, sorry. there is a difference between the city and the school districts. Right, we cannot yeah. staff school districts. We can't provide programming in school right. districts. Right. So what we can do, and I happen to have come from a background of doing a lot of safe house school work is that um, oftentimes a city will have a coordinator or a number of coordinators, depending on the city size, who work with designated school staff who do safe routes to school. And then there are different staff who do the program implementation within the schools. So what the city can do, are, and, and 
So our, any program the city had regarding Safe Routes to School would be in coordination with the many dis school districts that are in the city of Sacramento. And so I think the question that I have is, how many city staff are you asking for for uh, coordination with the different school districts in the potential programming? How big is the transportation planning department in the city of Sacramento? Oh, we don't have a department. Or One day, maybe. Division. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, sack thought. Um, we are currently a small but mighty team of five. Okay. So maybe two or three? I don't know. Well, we'll little... see what your other commissioners yeah, say. That's just I, my... I see commissioners. Um, like I feel like I'm in Vegas with fingers going up. For <laughs> um, yeah. I'm great on that. I just want to make sure I don't have any other questions for you. I want to try to respond to the questions of each commissioner first. Um, and so you were very clear on the e-bike thing. I don't have a questions on that. Your, your comment on uh, bike parking. So do we have an estimate for demand of bike parking? Unfortunately, we don't. Our idea of demand is what people tell us. And so um, we actually don't get a lot of requests for bike parking. Very few. Um, what we do then is estimate. Our, our goal is to do the best that we can for bike parking. Um, on the grid, we're trying, working towards building out uh, bike parking on every block, particularly blocks that have multifamily housing or commercial. Once we get off the grid, bike parking is a little bit challenging for us because we can only, well, we're piloting installing on private property, but it's a pilot, so we're just going to leave it at that for now. Outside the grid, we don't have as much public right-of-way to install bike parking. So part of our challenge is, is that where we can fit it, where there's commercial space or where there's multifamily housing. Single-family housing generally doesn't need it because you'll bring it into the house or the garage. So we don't really have a way to estimate demand. We currently have 7,000 bike parking spaces that are publicly available in the right-of-way in the city, 5,000 of which are on the grid. The other 2,000 are in, spread throughout the city. Thank you. Thank you. Um, I'd like to propose maybe we, we request one uh, Safe Routes to School coordinator for the city. Um, and if we're successful in getting that uh, from council and, and the person's in the role and the, it's just so they're unable to you know do their job, then maybe we come back um, and ask for, for more support. But as you mentioned, the fact that um, ideally this position will be coordinating really closely with the school districts who often have their own coordinators and then I know the schools themselves sometimes have volunteer coordinators. Um, I think starting off with one um, could be like a, you know, just get get the ball rolling. Um, yeah, that works for others. Okay. No, you want two? I want a coordinator and an assistant. You know this, yeah, you know well. Okay, so what would that look at classification-wise? Would it be like, that's something you all would be addressed, or do we have to tell you the classification? No, I do not expect you to know okay. the classification <laughs> system. We have trouble with the city classification system. Okay. Um, and, and so um, I'm hearing a, a staff person and an assistant staff person, more entry level. Maybe that's a good compromise? Yeah? Well, okay. Can I Yeah. <laughs> sure. <laughs> well, I, I think we weren't asking where the person would be. I, I think I'm assuming that the person would be staffed on the transportation planning team. Mm -hmm. um, and so I'm assuming the person would be staffed on the transportation planning team. We have not discussed what their roles would be. Are we talking about education and encouragement? Are we talking about education, encouragement, and engineering? Recognizing with engineering, 
Uh, we have a $5.4 billion backlog. So like we, we identified, just want to be cautious of what we're talking about. We have already 20 schools where we've identified a funding need for school improvements and have not been able to fund those. Um, so I don't want to create a, I'm, I want to be cautious about creating an expectation that we can uh, fulfill infrastructure improvements in the short term. Can I jump in and that's one of my concerns. So this, the way the report reads is we have so many unfunded already existing projects how dare we ask for money, precious money, to identify more? I, I, I just, I personally can't support that with the precious funding we have. One is generous. I would think it's a half person. I'm sorry, I just, unless they're getting stuff done, we don't need another plan. We need money and people to get money and grants to get stuff done, my opinion. Um, Commissioner Banks, or is that the old one? Uh, no, I just want to say that I, unless we ask for the moon, we will not get off the ground. And so I hear you, um, Commissioner Harris, I was just going to say Melissa, I hear you 100%, but I still think that if we ask for a coordinator and someone to help that person, um, that would help launch the program. I'm thinking about another program in the city that has one person working at it and they work so hard, they can barely get anything done and the pressure for them to get stuff done is huge. Finally, after two years of being in the position, they've gotten some support and they can finally get some of the work done, but it can be crushing. So I think we should try at least for a basic level of staff support to help get the program off the ground. Commissioner Banks, Commissioner Gibson. Um, a lot of discussion here. Um, on potential changes to the report, I had um, a few notes, but I'll just keep all, I'll just keep to a few, um, I'll try to be brief, is moving from the uh, Safe Routes to School program, uh, move that to 1A and be a little more explicit with it in the same way you were bringing up um, questions about what is it, and I would just say, um, fund the 2021 Zero Vision School Safety Study um, to be more explicit. Um, again, there were 20 schools. Each school had about 10 to 20 specific roadway improvements, um, long-term to short-term. Let's just say let's fund the study we did. I think that would be a real quick, and we're not asking for something new. We're asking to fund something that a lot of effort and value went into. Um, uh, something that might be cheap, because I think cheap, is uh, really helpful when it comes to biking infrastructure. In the section 1E, increased bike parking, I would, I would rephrase it to increased bike parking and branding and signage. Um, the thought here is, is Jackrabbit Trail in North Natomas has um, wanting to expand that all the way out to the South Natomas sections of bike trails, including with signage such as roadway maps, saying where specific parks or schools are along the way. We already have the infrastructure. A couple extra signs can encourage it, and it shouldn't be as much cost as some other things. So I know that's not a dollar sign right there, um, but I think that might be one low-cost way to leverage our current biking infrastructure. Commissioner Gibson, can I ask a question before you move on? Yeah. So for that, you're talking about like wayfinding signage, like this way to a school, this way to the American River Parkway. And with branding, the Jackrabbit Trail, which was sponsored and paid for by North Natomas Jibe. It's got a rabbit on it because of the Jackrabbit Trail. Right? <laughs> uh, and that's the type of thing that you're looking at or asking yes, for? Yes, exactly. Um, 
yeah, and so more of that on our high quality bike trails, um, just to increase our signing branch and wayfinding. Signs should be hopefully cheaper than um, traffic lights. <laughs> Thank you, those are two comments for now. Commissioner Lee. Yeah, I'm desperately trying to remember what I put myself on the queue to mention, but um, <laughs> that was a while ago. Um, a, uh, it's sort of a conflating of a couple of these things, but some of these are very well suited for the TDM's plan that's going to be forthcoming. I know this is the request to council right now, but for example, a consultant that worked in works on TDM is really good for looking at how to do a electric bike share pilot kind of thing. Um, there's just a lot of overlap there that sort of us and staff trying oh, to. Not exactly, Commissioner Lee, if I may. Sure. So our, the intention of our TDM update is very specific in updating our regulatory framework around development in the city. It's not necessarily up creating a TDM program within the city um, because currently there's no funding for that. Um, and so what we're, we're not, the program won't include an e-bike program, but what it'll do is it'll include something that says, um, potentially we're talking, I'm gonna use the same framework with de development projects with over, and commercial over 100 employees, yeah. um, that you have these options, depending on your type of development to um, uh, manage your transportation, free bus passes for, for your folks, uh, making sure or con contribution to building out a bikeway network. Um, continuing education for your members, um, potentially maybe offering e-bikes as part of your development project, but it wouldn't be necessarily something that's available to the public. While there are larger cities that have TDM programs that are funded through robust development, um, we'll evaluate whether or not that's feasible in our city, but we're, since our major developer are the state and the state does not follow our regulatory framework or pay our fees, um, I, I don't know if that'll be a feasible outcome. So I didn't want to have uh, really high expectations for this, this ordinance that we're developing, um, given the unique situation of the city of Sacramento. Right. Okay, right. That's developing ordinance language. It's not great. Okay. Thank you for that clarification. Um, okay, I'm going to take myself off for now, and I'll remember what I was going to say. There we go. Thanks. Um, Sorry. Oh, it's okay. Yeah, I'm actually going to go back to Jennifer really quick. I think we've kind of been jumping around on all the items uh, under number one, and it's been good discussion, but I, I do think maybe we just need to go back to your original questions and respond to those directly. Um, so if you would, maybe the slide where you ask, did you, I thought you had a slide here. Uh, person behind the curtain who's controlling the uh, presentations. Can we go back to my presentation, which is the one before this? I thought I was back there today. Ah, thank you. <laughs> Much appreciated. Do you want me to go back to these? I mean, I think, okay, great. It, I, I think we do. We need to respond directly to your questions in order, ideally, not talking about multiple items at once. Okay. And before moving on to the next one, have a decision that, th that our whole commission agrees to. Because I'm losing track. I mean, I don't know how, you, how it feels for you all, but it's getting a little bit hard to follow on my end. Um, so starting with expand speed management program. So we need to provide more specifics about what we mean. 
Um, did that, Commissioner Hodel, did you want to speak to that? Actually, that was my question. Um, I don't know what's available. And so I would kind of need a list of what are some speed management strategies, and then I could pick and give feedback. Okay, absolutely. Commissioner Hodel, we have one speed management program in the city of Sacramento. That is our speed lump program. That it's only available on low volume, lower speed streets that are classified as a local as opposed to collector or arterial streets. Um, and our funding allows maybe one or two streets per council district per year. Okay, but there are other ways to manage speed, I think. I guess I was thinking about why can't we install more cameras on intersections? Um, what about running stop signs? I, you know, can there be cameras there to catch those people? So, I, you know, beyond speed lumps, I thought there were more options. There, the toolbox has many tools. The speed lumps are the only tool that are currently employed in the city of Sacramento. Um, speed safety cameras are not allowed in the state of California at this time. However, uh, uh, AB 645, which is the bill sponsored by Assemblymember Freeman, has passed the state assembly in the Senate and is at the governor's office for signature, which allows speed safety cameras at six pilot cities. The city of Sacramento is not one of those pilot cities. Um, so we can't deploy those. Um, we do, you know, I'm sorry, you were not here. I don't think you were commissioner at the time. Maybe about a year ago, we had a presentation on our red light camera program. That is not necessarily a direct speed management program, but it is a safety program. We have a limited number of intersections in the city of Sacramento with red light cameras. They are, um, they've been cost prohibitive to expand that system. Um, and then there is a, a whole toolbox of other traffic calming measures. However, we do not have that available for you. Um, uh, yeah, at this point, we don't have anything available for you to give you ideas, though we'd like to hear from commission what you meant and what you're expecting to see from it. I'm actually the current speaker, and this is something I had um, specifically on my list. So we have heard quite a bit about the traffic calming of um, physical features such as bulliards, white aprons, medians, roundabouts, pedestrian refuges, um, as well as increased pedestrian and bicycle visibility with high contrast road paint and elevated raised crosswalks with lighting. Um, we were talking about expanding, so by definition, this item is to go beyond the existing speed lumps is how I interpreted it, but I was not necessarily a member. So um, going one by one, is that what we intended when we said expand speed management to include additional funding for what we mean to traffic calming. Uh, Commissioner Harris, the things that my partner engineers described as part of the Fruit Ridge and Franklin Boulevard projects earlier are part of major significant grant funded projects. My understanding is, and so we do that as funding becomes available through competitive grants, which is a, a very slow process. My understanding, and I could be interpreting this wrong, but through the exp expand speed management program, my understanding was that you were hoping to see something that is a little bit faster implementation, that maybe is more quick buildy than the major corridor projects that cost anywhere between 10 and $20 million. But I'll defer to you, I could have misunderstood what your expectation was. No, I think you understood. Yeah, you understood correctly. Um, and yeah, within you know the report, 
we talk about what's to come in the toolbox, which I think um, is supportive of, of slowering speeds. So yeah, that was the understanding, I think, of us as a commission. Um, but Commissioner Lee. Um, so sort of trying to think about balancing these needs. Um, two streets per council district per year can get speed bumps under the current budget. Correct. Okay, so even just quad double, quadruple, take the current budget line item. I'm I'm looking as fast as I can through the capital improvement project program right now. Um, even, like I would love to see more than just speed bumps, of yeah. course, but even more than two I know my neighbors are lobbying for speed bumps right now, and they're, my neighborhood already got one, like some other street already got one, so we're out of the running. So just increase that. If it can include other um, tools from the big toolbox of speed management things, that would be fantastic. But even if it was just more speed bumps throughout the city on our local streets that have really high speeds, like, great, let's, let's do that. So I don't know. Some order, like some mag, um, multiplier for whatever the current line item is, or current budget allocation is. Commissioner Lee, I can't remember the exact number off the top of my head of our current budget, um, but if you want to propose a certain multiplication factor of yeah. our current one, I think that's something that I can work with. Perfect. Um, yeah. Okay, great. Like, we're not, I mean, none of us are experts in how much any of this costs, <laughs> nor are we going to work it out tonight. Yeah. Um, so, uh, like, that's kind of where I'm imagining we're going to be able to have time. So, yeah. I'm supportive of, yeah, I, I think that would be great if maybe we could get any idea of, like, how many requests are made that we're not able to fill. I don't know who, if those requests are, they're probably not all coming into one place, so right. we might not know. They, they but. are. Um, the, the, the current speed lump program, it's managed by our partners um, in traffic engineering. It is based on a balloting process. So somebody wants to nominate a street, then we go out to make sure it meets the criteria. And right. I'm not gonna have the criteria off the top of my head right now. And then we ask for a vote of the people who live on the street. And so we get a whole lot that come in and then it gets whittled down to who's gonna support. And it's unpredictable about how many we're gonna have and how many are gonna gain enough support to move forward. Um, and so I would say, traditionally, we have not been able to meet everybody's need. We did increase funding the last fiscal year um, and met many, um, but maybe not all of the, the requests. Um, but I try to caution using a request-based metric because there are folks who know how to request things and have relationships with City Hall, mm. and there are those that don't. Um, and so I think what I would recommend that you do is think about what your expectations were on the speed management program, what you hope to see, rather than based on the input that we're getting right now. Yeah. And also kind of on our vision, uh, let's tie that request of dollars to the vision that we have. So Commissioner Lee, do you have a, a number proposal to multiply our existing speed lump <laughs> program to a certain number? Well, actually. By district district. What's that? Quadrupling by district district. Isn't that what, that's what I heard you say. Quadruple by district. By each district. Would you like us to, quad, are you proposing that we quadruple the budget triple, that we currently have? Triple, quadruple? Quintuple. 
if this is Vegas, we're going for the highest. What, quadruple? That's your proposal, and we'll see if you have some. I'm looking for eyes. Sure. Right. Well, yeah, so if it's two streets per district, that's how many districts? Eight? That's a, that's a, that's a rough number. Yeah, yeah. No, no. Because some districts yeah. get more right. because more people participate right. than others. I'm working in a multiplier factor here, so I'm also in a rough estimate. Mm -hmm. um, but there are eight districts, so that's 16 per, yep. um, 16 per year per in the city. Double that would make it 32. Triple would make it 16 times three. <laughs> I, I, I would recommend that you, because the costs fluctuate, right? the streets fluctuate. Certainly. So I, I recommend that you stick to the dollar amount because that's something that we can work with. Let's say that I'm gonna pretend we spend $100 a year and that's how we don't, we don't but that's $100 a year. If you want us to quadruple it, we're gonna talk about you know, right. $400 a year. Yeah, I'm just trying to get a rough estimate of what the outcome would be of like how many streets would be getting. I, I have a counter proposal, which is what would it be like if we suggested knowing that there are some districts that get more and get because they get more requests, acknowledging your um, that some people are better at asking um, and receiving. What if we proposed if every district got the highest district. So let's say, in a magical world, District 2 was gotten the most, that all districts were brought up to District 2's level on an annual basis, and that it was equitable. I like that idea. I don't think staff can do that, because the number of requests by district vary greatly every year. And so I think for us in our cost estimating, we need something that is just a number. We need, I need to do in the next two weeks, probably before our next staff report, say our current budget is $100 and we're gonna quadruple it and it's gonna be $400. Uh, that's something that we can do in this reasonable time frame. Uh, I don't think we have enough time to go back and research the historic voting by council district um, and estimate that. So it asks something a little more simple. We do have a hand. equitable distribution across, and just have that as part of our written reco instead of having it part of the number. Yeah, I, I think that's a good, yeah, it was my understanding Quadruple that they're- with an equitable yeah. distribution. Yeah, yeah, we're all comfortable with that language. Um, and just want to remind folks to raise your hand on here. Uh, Commissioner Hopp's been waiting for quite some time. Thank you, Chair. Um, some really quick thoughts. Expand speed man management programs. Why not encourage the police department to get out and do a lot more um, enforcement. One of the things that concerns me the most are the streets that have a 40 mile an hour speed limit, and if you drive 40, everybody passes you. Um, get the, get the encourage the police to get out. It, to some extent, it becomes a self-funding program. Um, get people to observe the speed limits that are already legal and set. Um, I mean, there are streets where I see people driving 60 miles an hour on a, in a 40 mile an hour in a 40-mile-an-hour zone. Um, another thing on electric bike library and promoting e-bike incentives, um, why not seek grants to do that, um, which takes only the staff time to work on the grants, which I don't, I mean, I, I don't want to diminish the, the burden that that puts on staff, 
but why not seek the, that grant funding? And then um, on increasing bike funding, I mean, I'm very sensitive to the fact that if we increase funding for, for bike parking, we're going to take it from somewhere else. Why not try to come up with a program that incentivizes private property owners to increase bike parking and make that available to the public? I'm not sure exactly how, how you would incentivize them, but I think it would be worth studying to come up with that. And, and finally, I think there are some things where I, it's unavoidable to spend some money. I mean, I, I really think that we do need somebody who is a city, citywide safe routes to school program coordinator or czar or somebody can, to, get the, to get that ball rolling and to figure out what it's going to take to begin a, a more robust program of providing safe routes to school. So I think there are some things where we do have to spend money, but there may be other things where we don't have to spend a lot to maybe accomplish some incremental progress. Commissioner Hopped. Uh, Commissioner Gonzalez. I'll be very brief. Uh, I just I, I just do want to caution. I, I, I'm very, very sympathetic to the sentiments that many people have and, and the frustrations when they see flagrant violations of vehicle code on our roadways. And I think it's a very natural inclination to, to hope that enforcement could be a tool that we could leverage to remedy that. Um, I, I understand that very, very much, and I'm sympathetic to it. However, I did have a chance earlier this week actually to speak with Lieutenant Sood from the Sacramento Police Department at length. Uh, Lieutenant Sood is in, is in charge of the, of the uh, Motor Patrol uh, Division of the Police Department. He's a plainclothes police officer, and he, he puts resources where there is the greatest need. And even he and I agreed in our conversation that enforcement only works during enforcement and immediately fails there after the fact. And I was actually very heartened that Lieutenant Sood asked me and was encouraged by the idea that changes to the built environment are they really much more better than enforcement, but that the police can be uh, helpful in making suggestions where they see uh, re requests for enforcement and higher need for enforcement that the, even the police are starting to say, we would much rather see changes in the built environment uh, than enforcement tactics. Um, so I, I, I want to caution the use of this commission personally. My, my belief would be to not uh, incorporate any discussion about enforcement within this body uh, at this time. Again, respect, I respect the sentiment. I understand the feelings and where they, where they generate from but um, I personally would never be in, in favor of that. Thank you, Commissioner Gonzalez. Um, uh, Commissioner Harris. Um, in the interest of moving the conversation forward, I know everyone's having a chance to speak, but I'm, it was, no one else was lined up. Um, it seems like we are at quadruple for expand speed management. Um, one staff person plus maybe one and something, one to two staff people. Um, and I don't know if we had a decision about whether we wanted to fund the plan, if that was one of the requests. Are we still on I was moving on to 1B since I thought we were at quadruple. Yeah, I would like us to fully wrap up the speed management conversation. I think is that the quadruple is, that's all we want to do. Yeah, okay. Just commission, so this is a uh, very new process for us. Um, and so what I can do, I'm hearing this. I, I'm not hearing full consensus, that's okay. So what we're gonna do is we're gonna incorporate it in. Um, what I'll do is we will bring this back in October and we will get your final blessing. It'll be an action item in October where if there wants to be, a mo somebody wants to make a motion to change something at that point and they have the votes to change so that we can do that. 
after the October meeting, what I'll do is I'll prepare, yeah, I'll, we're in September, October, then it'll take that and finalize it to bring it to Mayor Pro Tem Bang as her, as her request. Okay. So I'll move forward with the, the current one, which is quadruple the, uh, quadruple the funding for speed management with a more equitable distribution. Yeah, and inclusion of strategies that are gonna be included in the traffic calming toolkit. Right. Okay, so the next. Okay, safe routes to school one. Yeah, I think that one we actually did have some consensus on. So one in one staff person to serve the city and then an assistant, I think. And I think there was, um, yeah. Yeah, and then also funding the 2021 Vision Zero School Safety Study. Oh, funding the improvements suggested within that study? Yes. Yeah. So maybe it would also be helpful to find out um, how those are represented in the transportation priorities plan as well. They all are in the transportation okay. priorities plan. I can Fantastic. look into that and bring that back to you. Okay. Yeah, maybe it could just, yeah, be helpful to know where they fall on that list. Okay, great. Were there any concerns with that or we, we could say we got two done? All right. Uh, on the e-bikes, I heard two different sets of thought processes. There was the, sorry, am I jumping ahead? Sorry, was the, there was the continuing the pilot everywhere, like every district has its own, was it 10-ish bikes? And then there was asking for 500 per Oakland. And then there was the third, which was mine was, you know, let's see how it goes. But that was, I think I was alone in the minority there. So I'm fine with that. I just want to see, are, which are we moving forward of the first two? Um, I, I just think we should see how the program goes forward first. List as a win. I know there's a lot of efforts in these programs. There's a lot of requests already. And I'm concerned that the program might not be as successful as we all hope, which is why it's a pilot. <laughs> that is true. Uh, Commissioner Banks. Okay, so I want to split these two things out. I completely agree with you about the pilot electric bike library. However, the promoting e-bike incentives which there is a voucher system that's coming out across the state. It's not at 10 million, it's been raised to 18 million. Provides um, vouchers for people and depending on your income level, you get more of a voucher in order to perhaps buy an e-bike. We're helping to roll that out, Saba is. And it would be great that the city was involved in that work. There are other organizations in the, in the state that are not waiting for that voucher program because it's has its own problems, I'll just leave it at that, and um, are thinking that that's gonna take way too much time and they're trying to collect their own bucket of money to do their own e-bike e voucher program. Um, Denver is a great example that is using sales tax money to provide an e-bike voucher program and they've already given out vouchers to the tune of 6,000 different families, which is huge, that's fabulous. So I would like to split these and talk about promoting e-bike incentives and get a pot of money set aside for the city to do some incentive work, whatever that looks like, whether it's an extension of a e-bike library, lending library, or um, uh, 
bike share, it could be bike share and or some kind of uh, voucher system or rebate system for people to get their hands on an e-bike. I think separating these um, in our thinking but creating one cost price for them would be useful. I, I agree. They're not the same thing. That does make sense. Yeah, I'm supportive of that. Do you know how much the city of Denver has for their incentive? Well, they're on a different um, schedule. So if the next sales tax measure maybe gets taken care of in the future, then that could help create um, a larger pot of money that gets refilled by sales tax measure. But at this moment in time, um, I think a million dollars would be fantastic, which is what I'm talking about, is what we guys are talking about in the verbiage here. Commissioner Banks, do you, so I want to clarify, you don't, you're not suggesting that the city of Sacramento match the Denver no. funding. You're recommending that there be a million dollars set aside for e-bike incentives. Yeah. I think that if the sales tax measure is successful, and that's a huge long shot right now, that there might be buckets of money that could help refill an e-bike voucher system that the city has. So I'm talking about maybe creating uh, a pilot e-bike voucher system. Yeah, I can see on the screen. Uh, Commissioner Harris. This would be clear that it was a follow-up since we don't have a protocol here. Um, so is that a million dollars for the incentives and then splitting the pilot program into a, a win that we're monitoring? I just wasn't clear if, if that was your proposal. That is my proposal okay. at this time. It might change. I mean, again, for 24, 25, whenever we're doing this next, or 23, 20, 24, 25, I guess, Maybe we'll have different information, and the, we won't, we'll want to take our pilot, and we will want to scale it, and we'll have ideas about how that should scale. And or maybe the incentive program dies on the vine because we've moved on to something else. Who knows? Okay. Um, just a cl I'm trying to clarify. I want to clarify one thing. So when... Um, Vice Mayor Vang asked us to bring her back a budget. Was she, she was asking for all the items that we had in our, our last report. So can we... <laughs> so we, I, I, I do like the direction, the change, but do we still need to provide a cost estimate for the items as written in our last report? Or... Yes, because your report was approved by you yeah. and reviewed by council. But this item is two items. It is two items. So we can yeah. provide, develop two separate cost estimates okay. and outline for that for her that way. Okay, thank you. I'm sorry that you have to do that. But separate. Yeah, two double. Yeah, yeah. We'll okay. Two different cost estimates anyway. Okay, cool. Thank you. Uh, uh, then if that's the case, I love the idea of let's have the, uh, I think it was your recommendation to to put one pilot in every district is that the and then that would be the cost estimate for the e-bike library portion and then I a million dollars sounds great I mean I don't have a strong preference if they give us any amount of money I think it's great so um is that are we okay with that or is there any other counter proposals just the idea of 
So basically, yeah, so replicating the, the 10 bikes or so that they have, but one in each district, like, okay. Not in every library necessarily, no. but just each district. And maybe like the caveat that there is, they're not the exact same bikes <laughs> that we have in the existing library. I, yeah. I actually think that would make it a stronger proposal to, to talk about diversifying, that we've done this initial pilot with the first set of bikes, but we could talk about that not only would expand the program, it would expand the offering so people who were interested in trying different bikes could do so. Sounds good. Um, Jennifer, do you need any additional clarification on, on this um, recommendation? Chair Dewar Westbrook, I think that we have reached a place where I can go forth and crunch some numbers in an Excel spreadsheet. Um, but we're not done for the evening because we need to still give Jeff guidance on the next uh, report. So I'm gonna, Jeff, why don't we swap seats so you can come back up here to get feedback. Oh, did I miss one? Oh my goodness. And we have the cost for slow and active streets because we've already implemented that program. <laughs> well, we've already said reestablish, so we're going to go back to the reestablish um, numbers. Um, my apologies for skipping the bike parking thing. It is 8.30. Um, uh, okay, great. So I'm sorry, Chair Dewar Westbrook. Eight. And the question at hand, sorry, could you remind me? So your report was to increase bike parking and are unclear on how much and how. Yeah. Are you, yeah, okay. <laughs> and I think it's difficult because we don't know the unmet need. <laughs> so my original thought was like, funded at a level that you can meet that need, but we don't know that number. So that makes it a little hard for me to provide a recommendation, but I, Commissioner Rowe, uh, you have your hand, and then Commissioner Lee. Um, I wonder, I know that maybe this can't be for the cost estimates for the past year, but for the next budget, uh, I wonder if we can take Commissioner Lee's recommendation and like incorporate how how this can be incorporated in the TDM ordinance because um, I do feel like this like and to what Commissioner how who sorry who how opt I was saying like how can we incentivize private businesses or require private businesses to have bike parking to me seems like it makes more sense especially since you're saying uh, that we don't even get a lot of bike parking requests anymore outside, especially outside the grid. So it's kind of hard for me to ballpark what's the optimal number. Commissioner Rowe, we already require all new development projects to install bike parking. Our, our, so every new project that comes in is required to install bike parking, and this was an ordinance from 2013. Jeff is working on uh, with our community development department to update that. So new development coming in. Our biggest challenge for us is getting bike parking on private property because traditionally we've not been able to do that. We are piloting that, gonna see how that goes. Um, but yeah, so, so we're already getting there to private property and we're not really sure what the need is now. Um, we just, we're not sure what the need is. Do we, do you have like a number for the piloting in the private business 
uh, the uh, piloting the parking in private businesses, and maybe we can just like do a multiplier of that pilot or as another uh, suggestion. Go for it. Um, I don't have a necessarily like a, like a number that I could throw out for the bike parking. Um, I think the private property avenue is just one way that we can increase bike parking stock outside of the central city. A lot of the times we're seeing just a lack of right of way. So like if we had a bigger budget that we could maybe do some bulb outs or um, concrete pads in parks, stuff like that, which I do have a ballpark number on. Um, and if I had like a certain number a budget that I could feel comfortable using that towards those types of installations, then we can install a lot more bike parking. So that, that tends to be a very big limiting factor in the bike parking. Yeah, so for like um, like concrete pads, um, because a lot of um, like areas in the parks have either DG or it's like grass, and it's just not suitable substrate for for bike racks. Commissioner Lee. Um, so the to the demand side of things, there is a very longstanding nerdy way that parking for cars has been decided, <laughs> and it has led to generally um, a high proliferation of way too much parking, which I'm actually not uh, opposed to on the bike side. Um, and that is in the zoning code of the city now, if I'm remembering, right? So there is some per square foot uh, or per however many barber chairs, you need this many bike parking spots. Um, I'm not saying to inventory every parcel and business in the city and say, well, on that, um, like, you know, you don't have time to do that waste and then create what the demand would be. But that, like, that is that sort of um, <laughs> way to do that back of the envelope. Like, what should we be providing? Like, it's not even also like so much about demand. It's we should be providing things so that someone could have the thought to ride somewhere. Let's induce bike travel. Um, but is like is there is there a way to leverage what the good like all of that planning work that the city's already done around bike parking in its zoning um, code updates and then Commissioner Lee, if I may, uh, you just yeah. described my master's thesis from 2008, <laughs> which was on bike parking based on uh, parking level demands. Um, and I, that's what I implemented in the city of Oakland many, many years ago. Um, and it's, it's, a good, it's a good start. Right. The, uh, it requires actually, as I learned, uh, a lot of work um, to understand what all of your land uses are and then how many likely employees there are or customers there are going to be are towards, right. towards the location. It is not something that we can turn around in two right, weeks to right. bring to you for your staff report in uh, October. Um, I think that that's something that Jeff can look at as part of our update to our regulations about requirements for new development. Um, it, it's, a, it's a long and it's processy. And it, it took a while and I haven't shared my thesis with you. I'll share it with you. <laughs> um, it's not as good as now when I look back on it as it was back you know, a million years ago. Um, but it's something to consider. Yeah. Um, but I think for purposes of what we're thinking about for um, getting council, uh, Mayor Proton Vang, uh, a cost estimate, I don't think we can determine what the demand is right yeah. now. So I think we need to hear from you as people representing people who do active transportation in the city of Sacramento for your gut feel of what you think is needed. If I may. Um, 
I also think that demand isn't necessarily the way to look about look at it in terms of like bike parking. We're just trying to expand bike parking options outside the central city as an like an equity focus, so that not only can people lock their bikes securely with their private bikes, but we can also distribute shared rideables to these neighborhoods so that they can use them. As of right now, those options aren't available. Is there? Sorry, I still have the mic. Is there current line item in the budget for bike parking? Okay, I'm gonna go the multiplier route. Um, <laughs> what do we, like quadruple with equitable distribution? <laughs> is, it, is it, I mean, and we can say, yeah. What What's the sort of, I know this is the terrible question, but generally what's the order of magnitude of what a year budget does today? Um, we currently have an annual budget of about $60,000 that we allocate for bike parking. Uh -huh. That is about 100 or so bike parking spaces uh, throughout yeah. the city. And that's the 60000 but we also we collect money, and it's yeah. an unpredictable amount of money that we collect from shared rideables because it yeah. really is varying on the activity, uh, which has been um, inconsistent because since COVID, yeah. folks aren't doing the same travel that they were before COVID. Yeah. 150,000 double plus some? Total 150,000, not an additional. <laughs> I want to make sure I'm clear. <laughs> Something that, yeah. Yeah. That's right. Yeah, so total 150. I mean, this is like in the wind here, so if there are any suggestions, I'm happy. I, I just, I'm, I'm obviously getting tired. We're talking about the 22 report still. We haven't started talking about the 23 report on this, right? Okay, sorry, just tracking. I, I'm gonna go with double plus, and here's why. At some point, we, let's say council said yes to everything. We don't have the capacity to deliver on it all. So, right? So, street right, street sweepers, for God's sakes. Um, so if we double plus, um, that will probably take care of it. And sooner or later, we'll, we will also reach saturation point, point. So let's stagger this out. So I'm with double plus. Uh, Commissioner Harris? No, my, my question was just trying to catch up on whether we were talking about 22 or 23. I apologize. Okay. I think we're, I think we're good. Was there any other one items that we wanted to? No, I, I thought we were done before. No, I think we were good for this, for the 2022 report. I'm going to turn it over to Jeff to handle the 2023 report. Thank you. Good luck, Jeff. Compliments <laughs> to Jennifer for staffing that item. That was incredibly challenging. Um, magic person behind the wall. Can you put my... <laughs> right, okay. um, so I heard some um, discussion about the pilot e-bike and then the promote e-bike incentives being um, decoupled. And so the pilot would be a win off of this list and then it would just be the promotions of the incentives. Was there any other changes that I missed here? 
Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Right. Sorry. Mm -hmm. With at least 10 bikes in each district. With at least 10 bikes, yeah, and, and uh, just a, a variety of bikes offered, not just the ones that are in the existing oh, pilot. Yeah. The diversity of the e-bikes. Yeah. Um, was there any other requested changes in terms of like the nesting? Um, uh, Commissioner Harris? Oh, Commissioner Gibson. Uh, yes, I did request to move um, safe routes to school from 1B to 1A. That was my request and then change of the nesting. Um, so the A through F would be a prioritization? Uh, I think that's how most people would read it. Okay. Yeah. I just want to be super clear on that. So um, B would go to A. Um, yeah, do we, I was also thinking maybe we want to nest them by like how much they cost too, or no? Sorry, what? Commissioner Harris. I, I was just gonna suggest that we, we figure out what our process is. We're all pretty exhausted. Um, so can we, is there, of the decisions we've already made in the 22 report, is there anything we don't want to include or need to revisit? Is that a fair question to try to, just so we can shelve the things that we need to, sh yeah, that we can move forward the things we've already moved forward on? Aren't we going to have the construction detour policy soon? Commissioner Hopp, that is my goal. My goal is to bring it before the commission this fall. So do we want to take that off or maybe we just hold on to it and then we should know about the same time and make a decision in November when this report goes forward? Is everyone okay with that? Okay, we'll, we'll shelve that. Um, so do we need to revisit the speed management program? Are we okay with the 22 going in there? So let me go back. The 22 was quadruple with more equitable dis distribution and inclusion of the strategies from the speed management toolkit. Great, yeah. All right, hearing none and a lot of exhaustion, moving on, um, Commissioner Gibson suggested that we move forward the same uh, safe routes as the 22, but move it up in priority to B1A. Any concerns? I think we're fine with that. Yeah, so are you just going down each of the items? Yeah, what do we need to put priority on? Because I think we're all sort of losing it. So, yeah, that sounds good. So, okay. we figured out C. We're going to C was going to we were keeping the 22, right, with a, the same pilots in every district, a wonderful pile of money for incentives, I think a million dollars. Uh, and then for bike parking, we had uh, double plus was what I had heard with uh, equitable um, investment of some sort. Um, but I had also heard Commissioner Gibson talking about um, including wayfinding signage um, as part of that proposal. Yes, and I don't want to include that for 2022. Let's keep that on 2023. But yeah, we're, yep, we're just talking reiterating about my point. Is 
is everyone in agreement that that would be helpful knowing that that is probably a low cost ad and we probably don't need to revise money because the signs are cheaper than the parking? No. They are not in the 22. I'm Commissioner Gibson suggested we add it to. In the city, they're not the same programs. It would be the bike parking and wayfinding. Yeah, so we'd revise. I, I think it's, um, sorry to cut you off. I just think it's um, list being shorter is uh, helpful for policy decisions, which I thought lumping bike parking and wayfinding and signage um, because go to this park, there will be parking. And that also had, I think, a branding component as well. So the idea here is to um, more to support the existing infrastructure for bikes in a more comprehensive way that might get some more interest from council by adding on the branding and some signage. It also helps people get to their destination. And as I think we talked about in the, oh, I'm sorry, I'm losing it. The program TBD, TMD, TMD program earlier. Sorry, what was it? TDM. TDM, thank you. Uh, the TDM program to allow people to complete alternative modes of transportation fully. Find where they want to go, park when they get there. And to just uh, echo the point, I think this could be an easy ask, an easy win. As somebody who's worked for politicians, they love to uh, dig a shovel to say there's a new sign, that they did a thing, even if the thing is just make the bike have a sign now and help brand. Um, so that may be a better ask or uh, an achievable ask. All right. And the last one, the reestablished slow and active streets, we, we don't, unless we I, want to expand. We I, didn't I just, just going over the ones that we talked about already, we have not talked about D or F at all because we didn't have questions about them in 22, right? Just to make staff's life, future life, perhaps a bit easier, we should be specific about the bike parking program, the wayfinding program, and the dollar amounts for each of those that we want to augment, right? I think. Yeah, separating those out are appropriate to me. And it could just be increased bike parking program and wayfinding program or however it's called and then put dollars to this um jennifer do we already have dedicated funding for wayfinding mr harris we do not so would it be appropriate to add signage to the parking program or does it need to be a new program I don't have the answer to that. I, I would say don't worry about that from your end. We'll take it, figure it out on our end. Commissioner Lee, are you okay with us saying, yeah. however, we're all, I think, I'm not hearing any support against wayfinding. It's an easy win. We want the politicians to look happy, be excited about taking pictures next to signs. Um, it's a chance for possibly, you know, getting some more community involvement as well. So if you could take a look at how we could do that and then whatever you think is appropriate for the next version of the report. Could I add along yeah. with the wayfinding? Could we adopt a policy for the trail use etiquette to like the upper um, uh, American River Parkway has suggestions for uh, pedestrians to walk on the left-hand side to avoid conflicts? Commissioner Brazel, um, there's a long history around that. 
I recommend that that become a log item for a deep discussion. <laughs> Even with the um, Del Rio Trail coming online, that, okay. There's a long history. <laughs> all right, then let's uh, shelf that for now so we can all go to bed eventually tonight <laughs> and add it potentially to the logs. Um, so we have not visited one D, the quick build bikeways program, and the one F, reestablish slow and active streets. Am I, those are the two things we have to get to before we can leave tonight, correct? Correct. Sounds like it. Um, Commissioner Banks. So quick build programs don't have to be very expensive because the idea is you build something quickly, let people pilot it, experience it, and then if it's great, you go after the larger money to maybe make it permanent. So I don't think that needs to be a huge line item, maybe $100,000 for the 2023 um, to give some opportunity to do some cool uh, quick build experiences. Maybe other people think that should be a higher number, but I feel like this is one of those also quick wins um, and it doesn't have to be super expensive. I'm gonna also then just speak to F and you guys can, then we can split them out. Um, we're gonna reestablish the slow and active streets. I believe you guys had identified $125,000 for them two, four years ago, whenever we had the, had eked out a little bit of money, but I think it cost you guys more than double that to actually implement. So I would love to see that doubled. So at 250,000, maybe, maybe pushing that to half a million dollars. So quick build, short, short amount, reestablishing slow and active streets a little bit more. And the difference there is often in staff costs, police and people to move barriers, et cetera, for slow and active streets whereas quick build is less people heavy. Commissioner Banks, if I may, uh, we were already developing cost estimates for quick build program uh, that we're gonna include in the 2022 report. It's going to be more than $100,000. Um, things, materials are just ridiculously expensive, um, astronomically expensive right now. So uh, we'll develop that and we'll come back with that. Um, for the slow and active streets program, I don't have the specific cost. I was going to try to pull it up real quickly, but we are going to apply um, what we had done last year, last time, um, and use that as the base and bring that forward to you um, as part of the 22 report for your October meeting, which will also then be included in your 23 report when we come back in October as well um, for both items. Thank you. Great. Yeah, I was going to say, I think in our 2022 we referenced the city of San Diego's quick build program, which is um, allocated $1.1 million. So, and they were only able to build, uh, I think about nine miles. So I do, I, I know we want a small S, but I think we do need to go a little bit bigger. Um, and we can um, look to other cities who have already created a program for, for scale. Um, okay, I see Commissioner Harris and Commissioner Rowe. Um, I'm not familiar completely with the quick build um, bikeways program. So this practice is slightly different, but being responsive to, I think it was Councilwoman Vang's comments about um, on the 22, I wanted to suggest that we perhaps change um, one the, the title of 1D to be something like create a community-led projects and quick build bikeways program, emphasizing the community aspect and maybe that's not just bikeways. 
Sorry, what, one B is? One D. Oh, one D, okay. So Sacramento isn't necessary, we know where we are. Um, but then adding that community-led projects, but I don't know if that is the initial intent of this, but to emphasize the community portion of it. It's not, just Sacramento, we already dropped it from this one, but I was looking at the previous report. Got it, uh, Commissioner Rowe. Um, I support that, and I have heard the other one, since it doesn't seem like we have a lot of discussions, I support kind of keeping it the same as 2022 and our 23 report. Okay, don't have any other hands. Were there additional items that you needed from us? No? Okay. Thank you. One minute to spare. Thank you, everyone. Um, this was a, yeah. A, a great discussion, um, and I think we have one more item left, which is public comments, matters not on the agenda. Uh, clerk, are there any members of the public who wish to speak on public comments, matters not on the agenda? I have no speakers. Thank you. Uh, are there any commissioners who would like to add anything? Okay, Commissioner Hodel and then Commissioner Gonzalez. Um, I'd like to extend the invitation for the October 1, uh, District 1 and District 3 ride since we are in both districts. Um, I have uh, interest expressed from Commissioner Rowe and Gibson, and additional information will be coming out regarding that. There's two more.